What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. I'm sure it's a beautiful paintball weekend somewhere where it's warm because it is freezing in Ohio right now. But uh, but I'm glad everybody's getting out and playing. I can see some people down in Florida right now playing at the ICPL 10-man. Uh, there are practices for the NXL going around. Uh, everybody's getting back into the swing of things. Tis the season. Man, it's coming up fast. And there has been a lot of craziness going on in the in the offseason. And still more to come. I mean, there's still more rumors going around. There's still more craziness to ensue. It's insane. Uh, I, I just... It's ins- I, don't, I, can't, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't even. But I'm glad everybody is out there grinding it out, having fun, uh, you know, leaving everything on the field. That's awesome. That's what I like to see. And I'm glad everybody is uh, here with me listening. It's great. It's great to have you. Thanks. Thank yous. Big show for you guys today. Um, But before we get into it, a quick shout to our sponsors. You guys have heard them here before and have been a... uh, a companion of, uh, of mine via the podcast and having uh, contributed to the podcast and, and vice versa and helping each other out. And I have had nothing but great things with their products. It's Melovio. Melovio CBD has helped with my knees, my joints, uh, my anxiety. Honestly, it's kind of been a good all around for me with uh, with Melavio's product, and I highly, highly suggest it. Uh, you can find them at M-E-L-L-O-V-E-O dot com, and you can find out all of their products from tinctures, topicals, from pet CBD, also edibles, and they have some merch going on too if you want to support some, uh, some local business. But for the listeners, you can get 15% off with capital T-P-O-P as a promo code at checkout that's for your cart for your whole cart and they have sales going on right now too so make sure you check them out like i said they have pet cbd which i give my dog the um the the treats in the red bag he loves them he sits at the refrigerator for him uh myself i use the 1500 salve topical ointment it is amazing and like i said they have all kinds of products make sure you check them out m-e-l-l-o-v-e-o.com and give them a gander. We are also brought to you by Mr. Charm City himself, Mike Thompson, bringing in some amazing headbands and headgear to the planet. If uh, right now he's at the ICPL balling it up, he has some headbands with him along with stickers. You can find him playing for Team Smoke, killing it, and uh, and really getting down and dirty with uh, with these headbands, man. And he also sent me over some pack bands which are just top notch man if you don't know what a pack band is it's pretty much a headband without the uh without the little rag strip for your forehead you just tie those bad boys to your uh to your pack it's got some customized patches on there and uh it just looks amazing looks great i like it i love it i want some more of it and if you want some make sure you hit me up and uh, i only have a few left so Anybody listening? I think I only have two of the uh, the white Louis Vuitton ones that are uh, that are left. But 
They have the custom uh, Markowski pack band and custom Charm City patch on there, which is, uh, you know, one of a kind. And, you know, it's authentic if you can see the patches. So appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. And if you guys want to hit him up, you can find him on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, he is all about making custom work, you know, and uh, and also selling anything that he has currently, which is everything on his uh, his Facebook and Instagram that he posts. Uh, not all of it is available, believe me. It goes quick, and the man is busy. So make sure you hit him up soon and, uh, and get some work done. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been wanting to get with this cat for, uh, for a while and get back on the podcast with him. I was finally able to, uh, to wrangle him up, sit him down, and uh, still via you know, technology was able to talk to him. But uh, it was good enough, and it was uh, amazing to hear from him and his thoughts and processes on hormesis, on, uh, on a practice mindset, on a current life, and uh, balance, and everything that, you know, name a word that has to do with, uh, you know, any kind of meditation or, or balance or awareness, and I uh, think of Oliver Lang. So... It was a uh, it was a great conversation. I had a, an amazing time, and uh, he's just killing it with uh, with Alex, with the hormesis, which I'm sure you've all heard of. And uh, it's just it's great product, and the uh, the origins are are awesome. We talked about it for a while, so I'm sure you guys are gonna enjoy this. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, here is the podcast with Mr. Oliver Lang. Uh, the Bali Wi-Fi. <laughs> The, the, the Bali Wi-Fi. I wonder how many people are allowed to say that. It's like a thing, you know. But everybody in Bali kind of gets it. But like the rest of the world's kind of like, oh, it's not so cool. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you, bro. It's been a long time, and yeah, I, I'd love to even hear about your journey and your growth and, and everything that's been going on for you. And yeah, I mean, yeah, we've been kind of paralleling for some time now, so it's it's always nice to kind of reconvene and touch base and see where we're at and you know yeah each other out yeah for I'm gonna sure get you one of these i'm gonna get you one of these dragonfly shirts then dude making, I, uh, I appreciate making, it yeah, yeah yeah people some people are confused on the dragonflies and the butterflies but they're they're pretty they're pretty symbolic all all of the hormesis stuff's pretty symbolic and um actually a butterfly is the is the number one tattoo being given in the world uh in the last year because really? everybody covid um uh, this COVID thing and, you know, kind of had to kind of clam up a little bit. And then now it's like, everybody's like, okay, you know, like let's live, you know? And there's like a a bit of a transformation and the symbol of that is, uh, it's pretty, pretty meaningful to me. So it's like, well, and they're beautiful and I love looking at them. And again, both of them are pretty enchanting whenever you see one and you're like, and in Bali, we have really good dragonflies, man. Like some of the most amazing dragonflies, like I, I, they're, they're really, you feel like you're in a fairy tale, you know, if you see one. Yeah, I bet they're huge. Bright, luminous color. Yeah, there's all different shapes and sizes. Some of them are really big, and some of them are really petite and, like, really delicate and have, like, like really slow and, like, but they're fast, but they're slow wings where they're, like, it's, like, you know, they're, like, they're just hovering in a sense. But, you know, they're going even faster in between. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of, like, a little bit of a... Um, Yes, yeah, kind of like a psychedelic experience just looking at one, you know? <laughs> Dude, it, insects have always held this uh, 
as weird as it sounds, insects have always held this kind of special place in my heart because it very much, at least the fast flying ones or just even the fast moving, even ants in general, like you think about how fast they move and how fast they process, but yet they they move through the world like knowing what they're doing and and being able to navigate at these high rates of speed and just and but yet they're just they're 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 there and they're they're lived like i don't know it's it's hard to explain but it's just it's so chaotic same thing with the butterfly right you look at a butterfly and for the most part it looks like it has no idea where it's it's almost letting the wind kind of let it take wherever but then sometimes on the most gusty days you see a butterfly kind of just like going by but it's going in a direction and it's going in some kind of like it has some kind of purpose. And, you know, and yet even a gusty wind uh, cannot kind of blow it off its path. No, that's a good point. It's, and that's nice and poetic. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting when you stop to kind of look around you and you see the things that are there, you know, and insects are those interesting ones where you if you actually, you know, have a moment in your life to like stop and look and watch them pretty fascinating you know yeah and there's a lot of them like you know they outnumber human beings by like trillions you know yeah i think there's something like 100 trillion ants to every single one of us or something like that you know it's like (laughs) dude and they're scary dude at at that at that microscopic level even talking about dragonflies dude i would with the documentary they're vicious man like they they eat each other and they eat these other things but yet they're so beautiful and there's there's so many different layers to it and dude i love just nature in general for me has this very calming effect and and being in nature but also being a part of nature if that makes sense and i'll elaborate a little bit but it's one thing to walk through the woods and be oblivious but it's another thing to walk through the woods and have appreciation and have and and have this kind of like uh this feeling of so much ignorance of, of because there's so much going on and you're you're almost humbled by the experience and and you that's want great. to like i i'm always like flipping over logs and i i think that's what i enjoy about having kids too is you see that in them you see that like eagerness to adventure and to learn and to just uh experience and i think i and having them it's almost like a second life because i'm able to kind of live through them in that way too totally totally yeah the art is to experience the wonderment through their eyes you know and not um and not shatter it kind of like it's happened to a few of us you know where where you're all of a sudden your kids are like dad look at this ant and you're like ah it's just an ant you know get away from me you know i'm working right like that's what a lot of people tend to to do but it's like yeah coming back to that childlike innocence and that wonderment and like yeah and i think you're right that's a good point like most people when you have kids you kind of come become a kid again hopefully in a sense you know because you get to live vicariously through them and i think that's actually kind of part of the uh, regeneration process yeah that like occurs in a in a man's life you're maturing you've got work you've got bills but at the same time you know your kids are just yeah looking at butterflies or you know eating grass and it's like you can come back to that you know yeah and hopefully you can do that with some you know with some with like with like a matured kind of um you know perspective but also you know like enjoyable enjoying it you know yeah because it's it's there's so many ways to because obviously it's frustrating right because the child isn't 
understanding sometimes and you and you get frustrated because you know what's going on and you have to like be patient and you have to teach and you have to um you have to learn to kind of have this patience of like because all of us are, are so common to having our own perspective and well you should know that you know kind of attitude you know what i mean and i think sometimes we forget that everybody's living a very different life and right. we think so often that like i mean I, I use the word common sense like you think about it though i mean now you think of social media it's like well that's common sense on how to use it but if if you use it the way some people do it's not common sense it's like it's a very uh multi this multi tool you know, that very few know how to do very well. Um, but it's just kind of like it's having this this patience and this uh, this willingness to learn and willingness to to be wrong about things that I think a lot of people have a hard time doing nowadays. Totally. Well, it's also interesting because like with the child, like you have to come across to it in such a way that you, you know, you're parenting it, but you're not also you're not over parenting it. Yeah. Like. You say it's like you know, but like there's also something kind of great about the way the kids play and what the kids know without, you know, even knowing. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it's like you kind of want to, you want to kind of intersect that with your knowing. And that's where some of it's good and some of it's not good. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have to be really cautious because actually maybe your kid can teach you a lot about something that you that you got shut down to at a kid because your parents jumped onto that, jumped into it so quickly and shut you down with what they thought they knew. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's an interesting paradox, right? It's like you're teaching them, but they're really teaching you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you have to be soft and gentle with them because like for me, if I'm meeting grass, you're going to look at me and go, come on, Oliver, you're, you're an idiot, you know, stop eating grass. <laughs> but you can't say that to your kid, you know, yeah, you yeah. gotta be funny. You know, and actually maybe eating grass is good. And maybe that's something, you know, I mean, people who drink wheat grass now, mm -hmm. um, there's like a woman Ann Wigmore, she swears on the grass diet. You know, it's like maybe grass is really good for us and the kids are eating it because they know it's intelligence and it's intuitive. But you and I are like, no, you can't eat grass, you know, like, yeah, bad for you, you know, but maybe yeah. it's really good. I see lots of dogs eating grass. Probably good for them. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? I, I think of it, too, of like, um. You know, it's I think of like the way the kids learn and, and the parent kid uh, relationship is like I want my the situation I want my kids in is like a guided bliss. Does that make sense? Totally, yeah. You know, it's like you don't want them to be completely naive and, and oblivious to everything, but you want them to completely experience childhood and not have them, especially in a world today like and i'm not saying that i'm trying to have like these soft kids who get everything and they don't have to worry about anything that's not even the point that i'm trying to make it's more or less like let them be children let them make mistakes let them let them live and experience without without shutting down their imagination that's right yeah yeah well you got to instill values and in in a like a moral code to a certain degree of ethics and such you know but they have to learn how to work hard, and they will. But you're right. You don't want to shut them down. Like, I had a friend, and he's one of my best friends here, and, you know, he tells me this story about when he was a kid, and he was playing, and he was naked, 
and life was good. His parents were feeding him, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then he, he, he specifically remembers the day where his parents were like, okay, it's over. This is the laundry machine, you know, get a job. Like, I'm not cooking for you anymore. And he was like shocked, you know, yeah. like, what, what, you know, and he, he, he shut down in a sense. And then he, you know, he, he pretty much went on like a lifelong, he's not, he's not old yet, but he went on like a lifelong task to get the money so that he could re get back to his childhood, you know? So mm-hmm. that's kind of what he's doing now. You know, it's like he, he worked incredibly hard for like 20 years of his life, got the money. And now he's like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to go dance. I'm going to go eat whatever I want. I'm going to go, you know, do, he's just back in his, his, his childhood, you know, but he doesn't have kids yet either. So <laughs> he's, he's doing it in a different way. I think I'm kind of doing that in a different way. I think paintball players in general are kind of doing that in a certain way, right? It's like, there's such a kid, such a playful aspect of playing paintball. Like if you don't get it too, too serious, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, even, even, you know, even like you look at a guy like Alex Trazy, I mean, he's just, He's just a kid, you know, and he's still rocking it. So you can you can have it all, but I think that the the beauty of paintball is it really gives you that opportunity to kind of like get on all fours and crawl around and like mm-hmm. you know get on the earth and get dirty and like you know cry and yell, yeah. you know, like you're pretty much we're just pretty much like giant babies, you know, playing this <laughs> thing, and and it's good, it's it's healthy actually. It's really some bigger babies than others. Well, those are the ones that never really got the values, right? And so that's the thing is you can see who the people are in the game who are really actual crybabies. And nobody likes crybabies and nobody really, you know, you shouldn't really be a crybaby, but you should be able to cry, you know, yeah. and you should be able to emote that, uh, that you know, that sort of. And crying can come in multiple ways. It doesn't have to be because you, you know, because you got shot. And that's not what you should cry about. You should cry because, you know of the victory you should cry because of the of the of the of the move or of what happened or the the thing that your friend did for you or the support that he gave you you know mm-hmm. like those are the things you should cry about you know yeah and like love and cherish you know if you get shot you get shot you don't cry about that you know yeah oh dude I, a happy cry a hat there's so i'll admit this but i don't have you ever heard this show queer eye no so it's it's a show that has I think it's four or five gay guys go to all these towns. And, and lately the episodes have been in, uh, they're like in fucking Austin, Texas. And they're like, so what happens is they have this person, somebody submits this person to like get a makeover or a life change or something like that. And these four guys come in and one of them is a hairstylist. Another one's like, like about lifestyle. Another one, you know, they all have their, their different attributes, but but they make over this person and, and during this process you can you and sometimes they have guys like these hardcore republican like redneck guy looking guys come in and you see them as they're going through this process of like getting their life changed break down and open up and like they start revealing problems with their dad or with their family and you see them cry and open up to these to these four guys who happen to be gay but but it doesn't matter because it's like you and dude, I'm I tear up at this show. Like I look over at my wife and I'm like, I'm crying. Because, but but it's out of like it's out of I don't even know these people, but it's out of the joy of the moment and the experience that they're having. And it's so overwhelming that it affects me and it and it, it makes me happy. Like I'm almost getting emotional talking about it because happiness is. Happiness is almost 
more valuable to me than anything monetary, anything material. Um, happiness is like this, is the fucking pot of gold at the end of the rainbow where whatever is in, it's not gold in the, you know, at the end of the rainbow, it's, it's whatever makes you happy. And it, it's just, uh, overwhelming. And I, and to bring it back about, uh, you know, to paintball, I think that's why I appreciate paintball so much more now. And I enjoy playing, even though I'm not playing at a certain level or these tournaments or anything, like that, but I'm playing every once in a while, like 10 man or whatever, the the appreciation for the time spent and the and the, and the the blood left on the field and the tears and the sweat and everything the appreciation has built up to where it's just ju- pure joy to step in the field and I really see that being emitted from Alex Ryan from all these guys who've been playing for a while Yosh I mean not just everybody you know all the older guys on Dynasty but to a lot of the the veteran pros across the league, you can see this kind of just emotion. I mean, I I just reference Alex just because, um, you know, because they, they've been, they won a few tournaments as of late and, and you could see it in his face that he's just ecstatic about playing paintball again. No, that's a good point. And yeah, I mean, I think watching those types of shows, I think that's the meaning of why you need to watch those types of shows, you know, and, I think it's really meaningful to watch that type of television. You know, I don't really watch television, but I I love that. And I love that somebody can just surrender and just like allow, you know, some foreign men to come into their life and like bust them open, you know, and Mm -hmm. and essentially that's kind of what we're doing for each other. You know, like you don't really notice that at a young age, you know, like I know I didn't, you know, it took me, took me a lot of time and it took me, having to compete and be pretty ruthless to a certain degree to yeah. achieve that, you know? And that's, you know, when I look at like the Marines and I look at all these things, it's like, you know, you're doing it at a young age. The question is, is can you actually distill what needs to be distilled out of it? Or are you going to carry it on with you for the rest of your life? You know, kind of like you said, like these guys in Austin, Texas, you know, who are just a Republican redneck. It's really hard to carry this, this egoic personality that you've created your whole life with you, your whole life. It's actually like, it's really, really hard. And what I mean by that is like, you have to continuously foster it. You have to continuously keep building walls up against it. You know, you, you try to become impenetrable, but the thing is, is that it's like life penetrates you. Yeah. Right. So hopefully at a young age, like, like I think going to the Marines and going to the army, I think, and I never did it, but I think that there's great value in it. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lessons to be learned in it. But if you come out of the Marines and you're still acting like a Marine in a civilian life and still ordering people and bossing people around and living in this kind of really rigid structured formula and, you know, kind of, you know, wearing your badges of honor around town so that people can see how great you are. Yeah. Now you've kind of lost the, the, the idea. Like, it's like, take those lessons and then soften, get cracked open. You know, I think also within sports, the Marines, Army, so many ways, uh, relationship, a female can do this. This is why we fear women so much is because women can break you, you know, make mm-hmm. children, your children can crack you open, you know, and you need it, you know, because we've been these these men for so long that are, have been tough and thinking we're in a certain way and we need to be a certain way. We need to act a certain way. Yeah. And most of that is actually totally infantile and very immature. 
you know so we need to get to a certain degree of our life where we can actually release and let four gay guys come in and style us up and, <laughs> and teach us a thing or two, you know? And it's going to come to you in different ways. Yeah. My, my, my philosophy is that I'm, it's like you see me how I play paintball. I just take it. Yeah. Like you don't want to give it to me. I don't care. I'm going to take it. Right. Yeah. And, and I use that as a, I use that as a metaphor. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not a thief and I don't just take things from people. But what I mean is that I actually, when I, when I know that I have to achieve something, and I say that not only on a material level, but as an interpersonal level, is I'll go and attack it. And that's just my personal philosophy. Yeah. So what I mean is you're going to get smashed in life. <laughs> you're going to get cracked open. And it's going to come to you. I promise you. There's a midlife crisis, which is a program within the human uh, construct that if it hasn't happened to you, it's going to happen to you at midlife. And that's the midlife crisis. Yeah. So why why would I wait for midlife crisis to smash me and crack me open where I lose my job, where I lose my wife, where my kid, you know, something happens to my kids, you know, where my whole life is reconfigured and, and restructured and I have to recalibrate and I have to re pretty much resurrect myself. Right. Yeah. Why would I do that? Let me let me go do that now. OK, let me just completely disintegrate myself. Let me evolve. Like, let me make this somewhat of a of a beautiful process instead of a instead of a painstaking, laborious, uh, miserable one. Right. Yeah. Let me actually self-induce this process. And so, that's what I'm really into. It's kind of essentially a an, a, an aggressive attack on life, <laughs> right? Because life's going to happen to you, and it's going to attack you. So let me attack it. You know. And that's yeah. how I play paintball, right? So it's like, and that's how I do anything actually. Is and then there's certain moments where you you know now I'm 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 in a little bit of a different phase of my philosophy, you know I, I see what's being presented and I allow it to come and that's a little bit more of like a, a Taoist sage kind of outlook on on life. It's like okay, well what's being presented to me? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's being presented to me. Then I take it, you know, and then I run with it, right? And again, you can kind of look at it as a paintball, but the difference is is when you've got counter uh, you've got two forces counteracting each other like two teams. You know, it's it's, you know, there's a little bit of luck and there's there's a lot of skill and then there's a lot of, of, of brute force, you know. So it's kind of like that's that's what I look at my life like, you know, it's like, OK, so there's some there's a little bit of ebb and flow. There's a li- there's a little bit of luck, which is just positivity, if you ask me. And then there's some brute force, you know, and you got to know when to, to utilize them all. Yeah. Do you think do you think luck is more uh, opportunity brought by preparation uh no i mean the thing is is this is a complex conversation but you have a point there because what happens is opportunity will present itself through preparation and what will occur within that process is what's called confidence Mm. and confidence is essentially the key a key uh one of the most key ingredients to luck right is to have confidence to say i can win this you know and i believe in myself and i believe in this and I've got faith and and then literally you just get lucky, you know, and, and luck's on your side. Right. But if you're one of those people who's kind of a little bit more pessimistic and hasn't ha- hasn't practiced or hasn't put in um, a certain duration of, of time in something, you, you just know you're not good at it. So then you have a, a, an out, you know, you have the opposite side of the coin where you're kind of like, oh, no, that never works out for me. And I, you know, these guys always you know do this to me and. You know, you're kind of you're operating from this kind of lower plane and luck just can't pierce through there and it can't help you, you yeah. know, because 
you're you're in a dense force field of kind of negativity and pessimism and you'll just you'll most people are there to be honest you know like a lot of people are there yeah. and um but you don't have to be you know and and i think again when you're there life's going to bombard you and you know who these people are they're, they're everywhere and the, life's going to bombard you to kind of crack that shell and try to get you out from underneath that so that you have a little bit of hope right and you have a little bit of optimism that goes okay great well that really sucked but now you know things are getting better and then now with hopefully a little bit of um of practice and whatever it is that you're doing you know you you get that confidence and then you kind of start to elevate and climb yourself out of those those lower those level lower levels of of, of consciousness now would you say that you have been uh a steady optimist from the beginning? Yeah, like, um, I've got optimistic parents, you know, and, uh, and I've got uh, a mother who really fully believes in me and, and everything that I do. So even at a young age, I had a lot of, I had a lot of um, positive reinforcement through the things that actions and deeds that I did through the way she brought me up and my dad brought me up, yeah. But yeah. I remember I had a mystical experience, like, as a kid, um, I mean, it wasn't, it's not, it's, it's not like, it's not so crazy, but I just remember looking at the sun and, um, and breathing it in and, and saying, thank you, you know, like at like maybe three years old. Really? And, um, yeah, I remember that and it's been coming to me quite, quite a lot because I'm, I'm really connected to the sun. And I mean, I think the sun is this, just the greatest, most magnificent thing, you know, that we know about yeah so i think it generates a lot of power and it is, it, the more i learn about these types of things it's 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 pretty reaffirming and a lot of ancient civilizations and and in different kind of religious sects also you know there's something that's coming from it right even even if you look into the the different uh, elements of nature you know there's an ether element that something's coming from it but the point i'm making is that it was just there was something that turned on there and it was a it was just living in a strict state of gratitude. And that's like, you know, it's so easy and cliche to, to speak about. And a lot of the time overlooked, but really just living in a space of total gratitude and, and total um, appreciation for everything that's around you, even if it's, you know, quote unquote, bad or not enough or not good, you know, like, yeah, you know, you, you have your eyes or you have your hands or maybe you don't have your hands, you know, but you got your legs, you know, and maybe you don't got your legs and maybe you don't got your hands, but maybe you got your dick. I don't know. You know that all these things are there's a certain level of gratitude you can have for yourself, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think the more the more you perpetuate that uh, actually life gets better. And then you live in that in that uh, really optimistic, uh, an optimistic um, state of being, which is really lets life unfold to you, you know, and even yeah. the atrocities or things that occur, you kind of laugh at them, you know, and I think that's like a high level of, in a sense, a level of enlightenment to be able to laugh at adversity and realize that they're just really great lessons and, uh, and teachings coming to you in different ways, you know, and oh, if absolutely. you get even more, if you get even more in tuned, you can kind of see them coming from a distance and you can avoid them. And to be honest, like, you know, I look at my life and, and I, I, I only have my life to have perspective on because, you know, I'm not living your life. But I, I know from my life, like what occurs in my life is supernatural. And it's as basic as some, some simple things, you know, but like I never hurt myself, you know. I don't hurt myself at all. 
never very very rarely you know i live in a complete state of like homeostatic integrity you know like all parts of my being are working and operating at a very high level yeah you know? i never i never rarely rarely ever get sick you know i never i never had covid i it's like i just don't these things don't come at me and the only reason i can really i can i kind of know why but i'm i'm emanating a field of of positivity and it might sound woo woo but there's you you create a certain force field around yourself you know yeah and like I mean, I remember when I was a kid, we used to go and uh, we were in Toulouse one year playing paintball. And I was like 17 or 18. Sure, I was young, but still like as a kid, you could still get hurt. Mm -hmm. Literally, the golf cart flipped on top of me and my ankle was underneath it. And I was just a brand new kid on, on, on Ironman. You know, like this was my this was my like, you know, my career. Yeah. The whole we were going down this hill. We're and we're spinning and we're all like on the golf cart spinning around. Of course, you know, we'd rolled the golf cart a couple times. We jumped off it and it was really fun. We we're having the best time ever. And I don't even know how, how they let us do this. <laughs> we kept doing it. We kept doing it. And then one time something happened where my ankle got underneath it. And it was totally 100 percent like if my my leg is straight, the ankle was 100 percent. 180 90 degrees. Other, yeah. Oh, 90 my gosh. Degrees, yeah. And and um, and I was like, I look at Rich and I look at Micah and I'm like, uh, 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 the the cart's under my foot, man. Uh, I get the car, the, you know. And they like lifted up just enough because it was heavy too. Mm -hmm. It had fully fallen, and they lifted it up and I uh, it got it got it out. And I was like, oh. And I like look at it and I like move it and I'm like, oh, good. It's it, it works. And then I realized that my other one was too. <laughs> Both of them were underneath at 90 degrees. Oh, my gosh. And I was standing. I'm standing straight with both of my ankles at 90 degrees under the <laughs> golf like cart. Standing like that. Yeah, I was standing pretty much on the... Uh, the on my, your ankle my, bone yourself? What, what is that? On my um, on my tibula or the, 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 the shin bone, right? Yeah. Like pretty much into the earth. Anyways, the point I'm making oh is gosh. that could have just ruined my whole pretty much life yeah. or career. Right, per se, because I was 17, 18 years old on Ironman the first time in Toulouse, you know, like that was the that was the beginning of the journey. Yeah. And bro, I walked away from it and we like went and I think we took like second or third place or first place. I can't even remember, you know. And um, yeah, the point I make is that I even got out of paintball my whole career without with without one injury, you know. Yeah. I think the, the only thing that ever happened to me was I jammed a few fingers here and there, you know. Um, yeah. I know, I know how that goes. The point I'm making is that I think you, and this is like kind of the spiritual essence of, of life and living is, man, there's, there's stuff to tap into. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm still young, a young Padawan in the sense of, of, of the availability of things that are potentialities in, in this living, you know. And, um, you know, my path, I'm choosing a different path than a lot of people. And, and I'm, I'm able to adventure and, and to inquire into this and take the time. You know, like I'm very blessed in many ways to be able to kind of chase this again. Yeah. Like attack it. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, and so that's what my life my life journey has kind of been. And it's, it's what it's about. And it's kind of where it's going. And um, yeah. And if, if you have that, if you have, kind of have this force field around you, you know, you can really realize that there's there's magical powers that are at play. And uh, I, I can't explain them. I mean, maybe in the future I'll be able to explain them. Yeah. But I, I know that they're there. 
you know? And so, uh, yeah, I think that has to come back to this place of really being really positive and really appreciative for life and this gift that, that's being bestowed upon each and every single one of us. And that I'm no more special than anybody. Everybody has these capabilities. And as you, as you inquire into this, I mean, there are supernatural capabilities out there and people have them. Yeah. It's not, it's not a movie. Like this is real life. The movies get made because they, people find these things. They're real, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just a magical life. And I think uh, the older I get, the more magical it becomes also, you know, because also I let go of a lot of the, the ideas that I thought that I have to have or the things that I think that I had to be or the, you know, whatever it might be. And sure, yeah. I achieved something in the game of paintball, which allowed me to kind of do that. So I do. Really I mean, you were, all right. <laughs> you were, you were all right. You were all right. I wish we got to play together, man. I think we almost played together one time on the Ironman. You think you were going to come over at one point, but you never did. Uh, dude, that would have been fun, man. That would have been a fun experience just because I think our, our play styles are very are dude, they're they're very dude. similar, but they're 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 just like I don't I think they would it would work well together. Oh, I think it would have worked so good together. Like I mean, you were you're an excellent player. I think I could have made you an even 10 times better of a player and even if you had a couple of the other people around around you that that i had and man yeah that would have been really fun that would have been really cool i, I love that your style of play i mean i don't think there's many people who can replicate that um i just think it's exciting to watch i think it's fun to play like that and uh, and i wish more people did it you know it's like now there's so much weight on everybody to perform and you mm -hmm. got to get MVP and you got to get the golden stupid barrel. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's cool, but don't, don't yeah. get me wrong. But what I'm, what I mean is that we just, we, we, we predicate too much energy on, you know, having to kind of look like Tom Brady, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like Tom Brady's tight, but like everybody around him is really good too, you know, so he can do that sort of thing, yeah. you know, put Tom Brady on like, you know, the, Chiefs or something like that. I don't know. Maybe he'll be good, but maybe he mm -hmm. won't be as good. You know what I'm saying? When yeah. you get good guys around you, it's it's easy to perform. But you need these type of super stellar. You know, I I, I wish that there was a. I wish that you could teach, and maybe this is something you could do. You should teach players how to play just with reckless abandonment. You know, like just teach them how to do these types of things and have no fear and no repercussions. You know, like. That was the thing that I kind of started to dislike a little bit on Dynasty to a certain degree is we got too smart, you know. We got too wise for our own good. We yeah. knew the game too well. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I hate that, you know. It's like you don't know the game well. The game, yeah. game evolves every second. Every team you play, every paintball, new paintball batch that comes off the skid, you know, mm -hmm. every little bit of a temperature degree change, you know, every day. <laughs> difference of a referee's mood that day you know yeah. there's so many amazing but yet fickle uh possibilities that occur in the in the game so it's like you don't know it you know and mm -hmm. if you think you know it too much you're gonna fail and that's the same thing with life it's like you think you know it so well it's evolving it's changing every day i'm a new person every day you know i'm oh, evolving absolutely. to a better person every day and it's like I, I love that, you know, like I don't want to get stuck and pigeonholed in the notion that this is how we play. And we did that on Dynasty for some time and it really drove me nuts, you know, and I realized that I wasn't going to be able to 
play it that with that finesse that I like to play with and, and, and boost everybody else around me with that sort of, I don't know, charisma per se. You know? yeah. And that's why I always love playing on different teams in Europe because these teams weren't that good, but they believed in me and then they believed in themselves and then they became really good. Mm-hmm. And they weren't stuck to a certain fashion of playing, you know? Yeah. There was a little bit of, of yeah, certain elements that you had to do with certain guys, but like, man, I just love that your style of play and I wish more people played like that and I wish that it was like not such a big deal to not perform if you don't play like that because you need those types of players you know like yeah. I want like I want like five of you and one of or maybe like three of you one of me and like one of maybe like a Yosh or Mike Paxson you know yeah it's like it's just like it's just like a you know like a huge incineration of like when you light a, a string of fireworks it's like yeah. Right. And Mike Paxson's there at the end. Yoshin, they clean up the last guy. Just and then clipping they everybody. Flag, you know? like, and then you're just mixing those, it up those, in the middle. Those are the best games. It's like when it's just full disaster, everybody just gets smashed, bunkered, and then like Yosh wins the one-on-one. Like, that's, that's, the, that's my favorite game. <laughs> that's like, true. That's true, man. And you know, I, I appreciate the, uh, the kind words. I really do. And I, but the thing is, I, I think it's, it looks very chaotic. But it's very much uh, an orchestra, if you will, in my head. You know, it, it's and it's also it's having the confidence to it's having the confidence to do what I do on the field with the knowing that I don't know the outcome. Totally, totally, totally. You know, and, and, and with full respect, I totally know exactly what you're saying. I'm not saying that it's full disaster. I'm yeah. saying that it's like it's organized. It's organized chaos in a sense. Right. And I'm the same way. Like, yeah, we're going to go out there and we're going to I'm going to push the limit as far as I can push it. And I don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes it's going to be yeah. on my side. Sometimes it's going to be on their side. But I hear you. Yeah, there's a little bit of organization and your fluidity in this in like the way that your body was built. And I know you used to play baseball or it's like you need to have a little bit of that upbringing as a kid. Like I had the skateboard thing. So it was like it kind of taught me a little bit about how to like body you know, control. crinkle my crinkle my body up and yep. get into a certain position that it needs to be. And, um, and so I think that's a, that's a, that's a key point. But see, I think, you know, there's a part of me that thinks that like, man, I, I think you should still I think you should go like Proposition Dynasty or Impact or Heat or something. And say, hey, look, fucking put me on the team because I'm going to I can play better. You need it. You never had like really great, great guys around you. Sure. You had a little bit of the excessive, but they were always still kind of like trying, trying, trying. And they never really, mm-hmm. you know, were able to get to that point. Like, I think you on one of those top three tier tier teams would be like lethal, even if it just puts you in for like a couple games. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would be fun, man. And I, I thought long and hard about playing last year and this year. Um, and you know, but you I, can't you can't go play for these teams. You can't go play for a shock. You can't go play for these teams that like don't have the support. You need the support because mm-hmm. you never got that really in your career, right? Yeah, it was I mean, tough. It was it was really maybe, tough, man. Maybe maybe excessive a little bit, but not really. Avalanche, I I would have to say Avalanche when I played for them. Um, we had that reckless abandon play, you know, because we had Brandon May and Roger, but have, we you didn't have that super strong. You didn't have that like unit around you. You know, you didn't have the Alex Ryan Yosh kind of be short, you know, right. gumption. You know, what what was tough, and I and I think the reason why I mean not 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 to take anything away from aftershock because I loved I loved the experience, a a lot of what had me drawn 
to Aftershock obviously was being a Midwest kid wanting to play for a Midwest team. But because of the travel demands and the weekends and everything were so high and because I started a new family, um, it just made it really tough to to actually commit to all the travel and everything for all for all the big teams. And it makes it extremely difficult to go and do something that I love and then come home and then have it be kind of turned upside down. And now it's like, is it now is even worth it because I don't get to come home to a happy home. So no, no, you got to There's there's definitely sacrifice you got to make. And I think, you know, making a baby in this day and age is it's a big sacrifice, you know, and I'm I'm not one to talk because I I don't want to make one because I realize how big of a sacrifice it is, you know. (laughs) But um, but I mean, yeah, I think that's what people don't realize is how difficult it is. Everything in between the commitment of playing on a pro team, like, to be honest, my worst nightmare ever in the world. It's not a it's not a it's not some covid. It's not zombie apocalypse it's like staying in bad hotels and eating bad food and traveling on bad airlines and (laughs) sitting in lines like that's my worst nightmare ever like you couldn't pay me a million dollars to go back and do that again like i did that i did it enough and it's just not worth it (laughs) (laughs) like i'd go back and play if like i had my perfect field that i could like steward and like everybody just came to me and, and the field's 15 minutes from you, and it's like... No, no, it's at my house. Oh, there you go. It's in your backyard. Yeah, yeah. It's in my backyard. It's pristine. It's perfect. I got all the I got all the, the paintball ninjas to come out and pick up every paintball. And, uh, yeah, that's that's the only way I would do it again because it's like that all the drama in between, like, it's fun when you're 21, maybe, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But now at this age, like, no, thank you, you know? And... Um, but also, it's kind of cool to see, like, you know, Ryan and Yosh and these guys, like, I mean, I don't think they're ever going to retire at this point. Yeah. Um, but they're still doing it, and they're still really good at it. And they're, I mean, Ryan's going to turn 40 years old this year. You know, like, it also gives you a little bit of perspective, like, 36 is pretty young, you know. And as I, yeah. as I evolve in my uh, advancing years, I realize more and more that I'm younger and younger. And, yeah. um, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, maintenance, of course, and, and, certain things but i think that i realize how amazing this human body is and what the possibilities of it that it can be you know and and i look at certain men i look certain men around town where i live and they're like 55 and they're like bro they're in their prime they're literally in their prime they they had their kids they had their wife they made their they made their money they're like now they're like you know whatever they're doing vegan yoga gym whatever it is and they're just like happy they're beautiful they're happy and they're, they're they look gorgeous and you're like wow that's what 55 looks like like I can do that I want to do that you know yeah and then you see and then you see guys here and I think that's what really scared me away from um from the job I had it was almost like I needed something to kind of intervene unfortunately it was a falling out of my uh my stepfather and I uh which hopefully sometime down the road uh we'll have we'll make amends but I, I really needed something like that to happen to kind of get me out of the vicious cycle that I was in of leaning on a paycheck of uh, it's good money. I have it. You know, it's coming in. I don't I don't the, the job's not that difficult, this and that. Um, but every time I would go to a job and I would go and I would see these guys that have been working for 30 years, have a gut, have this can't wait to retire in five years. And I was like, well, what are you going to do? I mean, it's in it. In it, I every time I I went on a job site and I, I see these guys, it, it would scare me. 
but I never had enough to really get out of the cycle. And unfortunately it was this whole thing that happened, but I got out and I have this, like, I don't know if it's because I'm learning something new and it's, it's, I'm in that kind of that honeymoon stage of everything of just getting, but it's, I have this, like this sigh of relief of like pressure off my shoulders that I, I'm that I, I, that's not what I'm going to be. You know what I mean? Well, that's why those people are there is to show you like you can learn a great deal from people <laughs> in mm. a good way and in a bad way. Right. Yeah. So when I look at somebody and I go, yeah, well, I don't want to be him and I don't want to do whatever. So whatever he's doing, I'm not going to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. He, he's a master teacher. If you look at it, right, like the big fat guy at the job site who's who's, uh, you know, has a, a, a pessimistic outlook on life and a gut belly. and he's just Sure, he has a pension. Body. And he has, you know, he's getting ready to retire, but is he, is he happy? No, but it's like you said, it's like you want it. We, we, we trap ourselves all the time. We trap ourselves. Okay. So I've got the paycheck. The job's not that hard, you know, but the thing is, is to be honest, anybody who actually makes money in this life, you got to work hard, but it's not like you work hard. You, you enjoy doing what you work. So you, it's challenging. Let's, let's not use that term of working hard. It's like, oh, challenging job and it challenges me and in that process I grow and in that process I receive something right so you you need to we need to continuously burst out of our little comfort zones you know it's mm-hmm. like once you get too comfortable you definitely got to get out and sometimes that takes five years 10 years 20 years 30 years hopefully that's not too long yeah but to uh, it's kind of like I said you know these these kind of cataclysmic things that are going to occur to you to everybody in their lives and, um, and how do you deal with them? So it's like you had a situation with your stepfather. And you know what? You've already got the good the mindset of like we're going to heal this in the future. And sometimes you just need time. But that was the thing that got you out, you know. And yeah. now you're into a new thing and you're going to learn. And you're going you're gonna, to um, distill knowledge from, from this thing, whatever it is. And maybe catch a little bit of cash. And then you'll be on to the next thing. And this is a life well lived, you know. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to be – there's nothing wrong with working at the post office. But to work at the post office your whole life, this is, you know. I mean, unless you like mail that much. Unless I, mail I, makes you happy. I, I think that's what it comes to, down to. It's what makes, it, what no, makes you happy, right? I, I think that's a, that's a, it's a nice um, sentiment, you know. But the thing is, paintball made me happy, man. Right. I didn't leave paintball because I was unhappy with paintball. But I knew I had to leave paintball because I needed to challenge myself. I needed right. to go above and beyond what I knew. And all I knew was how to play paintball. And to be honest, that's cool if you're a paintball player and you're doing what I do. But it's not that cool in real life because, man, you know, it's like I don't even know how to landscape my house. You know, I don't even know how to um, do some pretty basic menial things. You know, yeah. it's like I don't even have a college degree. So it's like you, we need to do all these things. And it's not about this thing makes me happy, so I'm going to stay with this the rest of my life. It's like, no, actually abandon that thing <laughs> and challenge yourself. Yeah. And, and, and then at the end of your life, you're going to have a sum total of everything you've ever done. And you're going to sit back and you're going to relish in a fat bathtub of happiness because you did so many things and you learned so many things and you met so many people and you, you acquired so many skills and you helped so many people and you made so much money and you... You know, like this is to me is a, a life well lived. You know, mm-hmm. if I did one thing, if I was a like an actor is kind of a cool job because you get to do a lot of things. Right. Yeah. 
right? As an actor, you know, you play this role, you play that role, you play role. So it's always ever changing and, and, and evolving. So that's what that's what we need to be doing. We need to be kind of acting in our life and, and changing our different careers and changing our suits and wearing different things and trying different things and going different places and really putting putting our life to the fullest, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think the cliche of saying, yeah, whatever makes you happy, man, there's a lot of things that make me happy. I love just laying in bed and getting massaged, but I can't do that my whole life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it, I would get bored of it eventually, you know? But Maybe it's, I mean, it's... It- it's also having the awareness that you need to be challenged or, or the, the human being needs to be challenged and, and overcome adversity and not be afraid of the change and the challenges that, that lie with that change. You know what I mean? Right. And, I, and I think because the way society is and the way social media is and everything kind of compounds and compiles you into this this is what you need to be. And even at the same time, I feel like social media is is an outlet for people and you get to express who you are and how in this and that. It is also very much a box that totally. that people place themselves in. And uh but I, I think it's like it's like many successful people at different things is they have the awareness to be able to to step out and, and try something different because maybe something's not working or it's not working how they think it should and they want to challenge themselves again. I think like even even to the scale of like all the players that are playing professional paintball right now, at some point in time, they were like, I need to get better. You know what I mean? I, I need I need to do something different than what everybody else is doing to to step my game up. And I think that's correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's kind of where you are at with Dynasty is that you had went through all these things and you had you had you have done all these things but you as a person were still incomplete totally yeah that's right so like on the outside you know that's the the kind of the trap on the social media is like you know from the outside everything looks shiny and clean and good and that person's this and makes this much money and yada 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 but the question is is it's inside you know like what's happening what's going on you know mm-hmm. so I think a lot of these things are smokes and, and mirrors and just a big veneer. It's like most people who are actually doing things in their life are doing it behind the scenes and out of the general public, and they're, they're really evolving. And it's a lifelong alchemy. This isn't a short five-year stint of doing something. Mm-hmm. Like I had a great, um, a really wise teacher came, I came across at one point. And when he, was, he came out of college. He was uh, studying psychology. And um, he was going to be, this was his life, you know, it made him happy. He, was, he had the career, right? Mm-hmm. Then um, he, he realized he didn't really, you know, that wasn't fulfilling him to a certain degree. So then he left and he, and he became an actor, right? And then that really, you know, it morphed into music, right? And then he became a musician. And now he, you know, he serves plant medicine and he's like a master wizard. And he's like, look, I drank the I drank some plants. They told me that I need to follow this path. And I, I met a, another teacher who told me in order to be able to serve this medicine, you need to be a psychologist, you need to be an actor, and you need to be a musician. And he says, well, that's fantastic because <laughs> everything in my life I've been doing has been bringing me to this point. Yeah. Right. So you need to realize that everything in your life, which isn't a very old life, you know, you're mm. only 36. I'm only 39. 
everything like when I got to paintball a, a level of success that I I thought was you know I thought that I had succeeded I looked around and said well shit what am I gonna do with this next 70 years of my life you yeah. know yeah <laughs> um, I got a lot of life to live so it's like everything everything you do is just another kind of essential tool on the tool belt of of, of living an excellent life mm-hmm. and like even me now, I can have some kind of insider knowledge or wisdom to a certain degree, but catch me in another 10 years, you know, yeah. I'll have a little bit, I'll have these other things that I've, you know, even like, you know, I'm kind of take it back to the, the, the hormesis thing. It's like, I don't know where it's going. I don't know really what's happening with it, but it's taught me so much in such a short amount of time. You understand? Like, what I've learned in this process is like advanced, advanced college education, you know what I'm saying? In yeah. one year. And I don't know, maybe I'm not going to be a, a, a business owner of this, of this type, but everything that I've learned in this process, I can utilize in future situations. So it's like, I'm, I'm pretty much just collecting, we're just collecting information. Tools you know, in the tool year, belt. Yeah, that's right. Tools in the tool belt. Every year, get a little older you get a little wiser if you got a good attitude and and an optimistic and a a useful outlook on this thing like we're just beginning Mm -hmm. this is how i really feel you know i really truly feel like and i've seen a book even before it says life begins at 40 and i kind of laughed because i was like you know i remember being 30 thinking i was old and then now i'm going to be 40 and i'm realizing i'm so young yeah you know and um and and that there's another half of a lifetime maybe even more i mean who's to say like I mean, to be honest, I think I want to live for a really long time. You know, I think I want to live to like 300, maybe 330. I mean, you look like who's great. To, who's to say you can't, you know? Thank <laughs> yeah. you. You know, who's to say you can't? And so um, I'm just going to give myself that, that mindset, you know, like, and we'll test it. Like, let's talk. I'll, you know, I'll come on your show when I'm 330. You Perfect. Know? We, can, we can laugh about this. And it's like, so pretty much all I'm saying is there's a life. A, a long life to live and there's a lot of processes in between and you know if you've got something that you're focusing on now that's being presented on to you now that's giving you you know these certain things that you need great don't be bound to them when it comes to a halt or you need transition yeah. and realize that it's just another it's another turning of the of the tides and that there's something there's something even better coming it's coming your way and that's the optimistic outlook right mm-hmm. it's like man i retired from from one of the greatest sports I think that there ever is in a height of my career at a very youthful age. And, you know, you could look at that as in that was like kind of peak or you could look at that as in like maybe it was my downfall at that point. But at the same time, it's like, no, that was actually just like a small mountain (laughs) that I climbed. And now there's another one that's a big one that's over there that I'm, I'm hiking up, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you got to transition out of these things, bring the goods with you, and excel into the newest heights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. And I want to talk about hormesis and and the origins and just kind of how everything um, everything happened. But I I want to say how much I truly enjoy having you on, and how much I can feel as fucking woo woo as this sounds. How much I can feel uh, the conversation and just the 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 kind of bouncing back and forth. Again, I wish we it would have been awesome to play together. But 
I, it would it would have been even more awesome to be able to like have this conversation conversation in person. And the, the reason why I'm kind of saying this is because it's it's very much what we've been discussing, right? Is like this this aura, this positivity, this this kind of like this just uh like immersion into each other as we're having a conversation. You know what I mean? Because we're both kind of like into the conversation, and everything, but but there's it goes. And te- technology is so weird that way too, right? Is like, the, ob- like we're connecting. You're in Bali. I'm in fucking Ohio, and we're having a conversation right now over Wi-Fi. And like, but, but I just can only imagine what it would be like if we were able to do this kind of like just in a coffee shop somewhere, just sitting down and just having the conversation. Um, I just for some reason I just needed to say that we can do that one day. I would love maybe when we're both, you know, yeah, 300 and we can just instantly be wherever the fuck we want to be. So that's right. <laughs> there yeah. it is. Yeah. I mean, I got like goosebumps, uh, you know, even just you talking about that, you know, it's fascinating. Though. It is. It's, I think that's it's, how we're all here, you know, and we're all, we're all like, even just having these types of conversations, you know, hopefully someone's listening and hopefully somebody catches one little nugget of something. Even if you're a 21 year old kid, you know, to realize that, man, you've got a lot of life to live, you know, even yeah. just that alone is going to, is going to perpetuate something. And if you, if you take anything from a conversation, it was worth the hour you listened to it, you know, it mm-hmm. or the two hours you listened to it, whatever it is, you know. And that's how I am with everything. I'm like, let me go into this with openness and, um, and uh, receptivity. And, and if I could take one thing, it was a success. One thing, you know. And oh, that's yeah. how I look at life. Like I'll go and do the most monotonous thing sometimes. And sometimes I'm forced to do something monotonous, you know. It's like, I go, I got, I got a business here. Sometimes I'm like, I got to clean this thing. And I'm like, ah, fuck, why am I, this is, okay, let's do this. This isn't in my job description. And I'm cleaning this thing and it's just like something happens, you know? And I'm like, yeah. whoa, okay. Now I know why I had to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it takes time to kind of know why you have to do something, you know? And, and that's coming back to that thing that you spoke about is having the awareness and, you know, pretty much like one of my favorite uh, teachers, Osho, he says, once you have awareness, you can't do any harm. But it's really hard to have awareness. Mm-hmm. And, and Aleister Crowley, who is a great magician, you know, obviously debatable, but he says we're only we're only aware on a good day. We're only unaware ninety percent of the time. On a good day, so that means like you know we're just kind of, you know, people talk about um, what do they call the the uh, the robots the. Um, What's this whole thing that everybody's worried about? Oh, already, uh, AI. Yeah, we're already robots, man. We're not even we're not even really fully awakened. We're jelly robots. So, yeah, we're we're even. I mean, you know, we're not robots, but we're we have a mind of a robot. So that's let me let me correct myself on that because we're definitely not robots, but we have we haven't we haven't fully landed with with our sense of awareness of possibilities and the utilization of this great machine that we have, which is our body. Which mm-hmm. is the greatest, 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 greatest machine that this planet's ever seen? You know, there's not anything yeah. that is more special than this thing, and we get one for free, and we get to use it every day. You know, so yeah, I agree, man. And I think you know, even talking about you having to do some things, and 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 or whoever it is having to do some things that they might not enjoy, but I think those moments are meant for you to to stay humble. And to and to be appreciative of the moment and to what you have and what you don't have, and and I had a customer um, 
the other day that it was an older lady. She was completely blind. I don't know if it was, if it was like a, a, a an eventual natural blindness or if it was something else or a disease or, mm-hmm. um. But it, the whole time I was there and I was in her presence, I was like, I was, I was just humbled and and appreciative of not only the lady but of of what i have and and the ability to see and the ability to move around this world so nonchalantly because i have sight you know and you can say it for anything you can say it for you know people hearing or people who who you know you can talk and it's just we take so many things for granted um that i think the, the ability to be aware is also the ability to be humbled and appreciative of everything um yeah it's like you got to get to that place of of realizing you don't know anything which is really humbling you know to actually realize that you can you know you can you can learn things yeah you only know what you know and we come from a place where we you know we try to control everything and we try to think that we know everything and the truth is we don't and you know we're more and more as we're advancing as a humanity we're we're learning more and more that there's a lot of things that we don't know or that we were wrong about yeah. or that are is evolving and changing you know so you have to be somewhat humble when that when that comes because if you don't again that's going to be one of those cataclysmic uh, uh situations where you're going to get blasted you know like like I don't know to be honest I'm 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 not I'm not a conspiracy theorist I don't know if the world's round. I don't know. Okay? I don't know. I, I think it is. I've been told it is. I, I like the idea of it. Science kind of ma- it makes sense. But then, you know, like, what if it's a shape like a triangle? I don't know. You know? And I, I, I'm just saying that if one day it's shaped as a triangle, <laughs> um, I'm going to be like, okay, well, that's the newest thing. And that's in the we're all, we're all believe that, then great. It's shaped like a triangle, and I'm going to be okay with it. Okay, I'm not saying that you know it's it's the world's flat or it's a whatever it is. It's just that whatever is is happening, if there's something new and it's being presented, and I can I can I can I can okay, that's that's the new thing. Observe it. Happening. Don't reject it. Let me. That's right, and not don't let me get crushed by it. You know. Yeah. So I think a lot of things that are occurring now in the world. People are just getting crushed by things, and they're yeah. and they're having to put their they're having to put their flag down, their stance of what they believe in, which is cool, also. But it's also it's also difficult, you know, because man, I just realize more and more every day that I don't know anything, and um, and the more I can do that, the more accepting I am with what the newest things are. You know? Yeah. Well, it can be very overwhelming for some people, and and right. and scary because they don't know how to handle it. But I think right. that's where the the meditation and the training and the 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 awareness and staying humble and all that comes in. I mean, it's a, it's all a training to get you to the point to where you become to where you 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 don't harm, right? It's that's like right. it's like you're talking about. It's um, like also like everybody's going into these ice bath things now, and I love it. And yeah. it's, it's not a new thing, right? And it's it's not about. It's not about really anything besides the fact that you you start to gain a little bit of control on your mind. You know, yeah. your mind doesn't just instantly tell your body to shoot out of this out of this ice bath and start screaming and running and crying. You know, like yeah. that's like somebody who doesn't have control, right? So if you have control, it's like you can go into these ice baths and you can relax. You know, and maybe you can go in like these guys for ten minutes, twenty minutes, or whatever. 
it's not about the duration of time. It's about having control on your mind, you know, and, mm-hmm. and not letting your mind just regulate everything so quickly. You know, it's like this is this is a huge art in, in life is to be able to somehow get control of your mind. Yeah. And there's a lot of things out there that are that want control of your mind. And it's, it comes in so many a myriads and myriads and myriads of things, you know. And so, again, that's why the awareness is what's taught in all these ancient mystery schools and yoga practices. It's just like, well, the sun might come up tomorrow and it might not. And if it if it does, you just observe it and you just have awareness. And if it doesn't, you just observe it and you just have awareness, right? And it's yeah. kind of that impartiality of, of, of what's what is, you know, like what is there. And it's so interesting. Yeah. Speaking of the mind, how did hormesis invade your brain well again it came out of a place of of stillness and it came out of a place of meditation so um it kind of popped out of my brain like toast to be honest you know and it was like just you need to make a toast headband now yeah a toast series (laughs) i get the first one though yeah we'll get you a signature line (laughs) toast we'll get the toast Oh, so, I'm, I'm sorry. Continue. No, no, I love it. I love it. I love it. That's what this whole thing's about, anyways. It's all a big joke, you know. So let's just all laugh at it and make fun things, you know, and get creative. I love it, though, man. No, it's good. It's uh, yeah. It just it just popped out of my mind, and I said, "Wow, okay, is this real?" And um, you know, it's like we have a lot of ideas, right? You said you're inventing something. You know, is the is the idea real until you actually put action towards it, right? So. Right. You're an action-oriented man. I'm an action-oriented man. I I don't want to just speak about something, you know? Like, a lot of people just speak about things, and and there's some power to speaking about things, but you really got to have action. So we, I I had the idea. I I called Alex because, actually, he was, his his name popped out of my mind like toast also, and it actually said, call Alex and, and, and make this company. And I said, okay. So I called Alex. I said, Hey, um, I have this idea, and um, I think it's going to cost about five thousand bucks to kind of get going. And he kind of looked at it, was like five thousand bucks. You know, it's kind of a lot of money, but not that much money. Like, I trust Oliver. Okay, let's let's do it. You know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he sent me a payment, and um, and we're on. You know, and I just I went full 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 on attack again on on the process and. And I just my my intention was to make 100 bands, and I was going to source and figure out like best materials that I could find on the island of Bali, and uh, luckily I found it like the first place. So that's kind of interesting how how these things uh, happen. Every yeah. every place after that has not been nearly up to par, and um, and then we it took me like two or three months to kind of even get 100. Like I think the first ones I sent were like 60, and it was you know it was it was the it was the um, the what do you call it the growing pains of the of the process you know the beginning trying to understand it and ordering labels and and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and you know like it was just a lot of trial and error still trial and error but the difference is is now i'm kind of shooting you know like before i was shooting from the hip now i'm kind of shooting like you know kind of like from here yeah (laughs) you know I'm, i'm not here yet i'm shooting like more here um but before it was really just shooting from the hip and yeah, I just really appreciate Alex for like trusting and like believing and allowing 
such a, a, a crazy idea to, to come through and to believe in it. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, just, yeah, he, he, he shoots from the hip too. So he, he understands, you know, and I think there's, there's some great grace and elegance in shooting from the hip um, to a certain degree. So, oh, so that sure. was Hormesis's birth was, uh, you know, we just call it, a, we'll call it shooting from the hip, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, it's an, a, it's a cool origin story. And I think what's, what's beautiful about it is, is, they're great headbands. Do not get me wrong. But I I more enjoy the the beginning of it and the reason behind it and and the the message that you send with not just the physical message but just the one that you that you print in every single box. And and the yeah. the kind of the kind of embodiment that goes into into the headband. It's not just like it's not the retail value of these things. It's not it it's not well this guy has this one and I want this one. It's, it's not, it's not about that. It's, it's the whole like bringing yourself into the headband and having it just be an extension of, of you and having it bring things out of you that you might not thought that you could. This is obviously my interpretation of the whole thing, but it's, it's, you know, I I feel like people value uh, things very differently and at least this is the value that I'm giving it is that is, is the meaning behind it is is much more valuable than than the 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 product itself, but the product being physical is that much more valuable now too because it's it it it's now physical and a physical representation of that if that makes sense so yeah and and i and I can totally see people valuing um the actual headbands themselves uh and it's it's just really cool to see and i and I love that it's the natural dyes and fabrics and everything that you have coming out and uh it's just a great it's obviously not an original concept but i but i think the the story behind it is and I think that's what makes it valuable and yeah. in a sense of not monetary but just uh i don't even know what you would call it um totally. spiritual what? It's um, uh, it's the good, it's the it's the old forgotten new, yeah. That's the that's the term. So it's like, you know, I when I came out of this kind of meditation and I I, I had this idea and I sent it to Alex. I the first thing I did was look at Sandana and I was like, holy cow! Like this company is ripping, you know, like. Mm. And they're making these headbands that, like, they made, you know, like, in the 80s or whatever, Sandana was born in the 90s. And, and then I realized, man, we made this cool. We made Sandana cool. Like, <laughs> sure, even before us, there was Saransky and Bruno. Like, they were the ones who inspired us to wear Sandana. Like, that's kind of the backstory on it. Yeah. Um, and actually, Alex's, Alex, Alex's dad ordered a bunch of Sandanas, like, for us a long time ago. And the guy was super cool, and he like gave Alex, a, you know, a few extra sandanas. And I remember going over to Alex's house, and he had all these sandanas and headbands. And we were like, you know, fourteen, and he's like, "Here you go, here's one." And it was like, "Wow, cool," you know. Were they like hunting so, headgear at first? Is that like the the story behind? No, they them? were paintball. They were paintball. They were geared all towards paintball, but they were. It was like an interesting brand because it was like kind of this kind of like skateboard ish kind of Southern California guy. Yeah. who got into paintball and I don't know exactly how he created the motif, but you know, it just became iconic. Right. So yeah. and then, and then even, even like Sandana was kind of already gone when we showed up, like Sandana jerseys, you couldn't really buy 
that there wasn't there wasn't many headbands even at this mm. point you know like we had gotten a few and we had worn them and we had and alex had a bunch and he gave them out to people and you know people were wearing them skinny kevin and then you know because we couldn't get them anymore we kind of had to hold on to them so yeah. we had these sandana ones that we had to hold on to because we didn't know where to get them anymore right yeah and then uh skinny kevin was working at uh at JT at the time, and he had his carte blanche to, at that time, it was like a vinyl cutting machine. That's how they made the journey jerseys. So I'm sure you remember it. It was oh, like, yeah. like, they'd take the white and they'd cut out, you know, and then they'd take the black and they'd cut it they out. Heat and then they'd heat press the white, and then they'd uh, that would be the outline, and then they'd heat press the black, and it would say, you know, all over length, right? I loved so those jerseys, dude. Those, yeah, those old too. school heat press are the best. Totally, totally. I mean, even actually cooler are the original JT Pro lettering. But, like, only a few people had those. Like, many people don't even recognize that. But that yeah. was, like, if you got pro lettering, you were, you were pro. You so know, that was, like, like that a was stat. Like, like, the lettering was a status. The lettering was a status. Like, not many teams had it. I think Impact – or, sorry, Image had it. Avalanche. Uh, Ironman had it. Avalanche. Um, Aftershock. Pretty much, you know, the, the big teams back then, right? Yeah. And – and then there was like a few kind of scruff guys that like got it, but they weren't really pro, but they got it because they were. <laughs> they knew somebody. So, yeah, they. <laughs> no, they were just like, you know, kind of short-lived on the team. But like, you know, when you get like a Spud Jackson uh, jersey that with that yellow and that black, like, I mean, that thing is valuable. Like, whoever has those types of jerseys, like, those are the those are the cream to the cream of jerseys. Yeah. You know, like if you're a jersey collector, I see you're a jersey collector. If you have bit. any of those old school pro. Um, those original ones, like those are the, those are the bomb. So anyways, yeah, skinny Kevin made us some iron kids, uh, uh, heat presses and, you know, we put them on our headbands and, you know, that was also now the time kind of like, well, I came back to dynasty and we kind of started to go on the run. So it was this like momentous time. And at that time you couldn't really get headbands anymore. You just couldn't get Sandana for mm. sure. You know, like there was probably like I remember Micah used to make some and like some people used to make some, but like nobody really made a good quality one and whatnot. And so I realized that like, man, we built this culture and I didn't even know it, you know? Right. I mean, I knew it. Right? Well, you're like, immersed you know, in it. We had a we we all have headbands that were meaningful to us. Every pro player, any yeah. player. Right. Mm. So it's like this magical thing. Right. And like my headband would trans would would trans um, transcend years, you know what I'm saying? So like, I would maybe wear dye one year to play for the Ironman, but I'd still wear the same headband, right? You know, maybe I'd wear, uh, you know, go back to Dynasty, but I'd still have the same headband from the year before. And as you would get a certain amount of mojo out of your headband, right? Like it's headgear. It's it's weird. It's like it's like your lucky kind of item. Yeah. Right. So in the weirdest way, it's the most inconsequential item to play in you know you need your gun you need your loader you need your air you need all these things you need your goggles yeah and you don't need a headband i mean you know you don't need one truly but you really colt roberts doesn't wear one colt roberts yeah there's a few people i don't know how they've gotten where they've gotten without wearing a headband (laughs) to be honest It's, it's really weird uh and i always feel bad for them when they when i see them and like there's a part of me that you know sorry luckily colt kills it so Colt he has, kills it yeah, sure. so he's, he's Colt, good. Colt kills it. And I think like even Chad George at one point wasn't wearing one or someone wasn't wearing, but to be honest, when I see somebody who doesn't wear a headband and they're just wearing goggles, I'm going to shoot you. I'm like, <laughs> you suck. You it's know, like there's just some, 
I mean, come on, can you agree with me a little bit on that? Right? It's like you see a guy who doesn't. It's have all headgear. forehead. You just see a guy who doesn't have headgear, and you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you down, bro. I'm sorry, you know, like you're not very good. And and maybe that's why I never really gave pro players who never wore headbands the credit they deserve. You know, like I, I think Chad George is probably one of the best players in the world right now. Oh yeah. When I played, I never gave him any credit. Cole Roberts is probably one of the best players in the world. When I played, I didn't give him any credit, to be honest, you know? And maybe that was like you know, a strange headband connection. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> the point I'm making is um, is this headband is just, uh, it's it's amazing. It's, it's you, you need one, and everybody needs one. And that's kind of my, me and Alex's goal is we want to get everybody one. Sure, people want to start collecting them, and now they're kind of collectibles, and there's different lines, and there's different things. And that's super cool and super flattering. But really, my intention is to get everybody one. You know, yeah. and have it and have it for a long time because they're not going to be made again. You know, and there's a lot of subliminal, um, uh, intentional frequencies and powers and colors and shapes and patterns and even mantras uh, that are all just blessed throughout it. So mm-hmm. there is something kind of amazing about the product. I will say, like, I even cherish them. I even kind of collect them now and i even put them in a place where i look at them regularly do you and kiss I, I each one as before they go out explain. you just you put a little oliver kiss on kind each of, one before they go kind of you know i mean this is like a pretty grassroots company so like you know and i drive a scooter in bali so like all of the bags go on my lap and i'm kind of you know hugging them for like an hour or something to like get to the uh get to my to my house you know so it's yeah. like you know there's there's a there's definitely infusion you know and then the other cool part of it is it's like Alex infuses his aspects to it. So mm-hmm. it's like, I get it. Um, and, and you know, to be honest, like this island is a really magic, magical place, you know? And I, I use that word so loosely, but it's real. It's, it's just something about this place. And even just everybody having something from Bali, maybe you'll never come here. But there's something about this place that comes along with that. And I've even I've even tracked this in in other things, like a lot of things come from Bali. Like you probably have things in your house right now you don't even know that are made in Bali. If you have any sort of knickknack or you know kind of cute little thing, wooden probably came from Bali. You know, yeah. any type of decent furniture you know that's not IKEA probably came from Bali. You know, like they they're just craftsmen here. So, in uh, to be able to like give you not only something made in bali created in bali infused with symbols from bali and and other kind of i don't know esoteric things you're getting also the plants from the plant matter of bali you know and you're getting a piece of me you're getting a piece of my mind you're getting a piece of my creativity you're getting a piece of alex's you know love and heart and dedication in this thing and um I just think it's a remarkable thing. You know, I don't think you can do this in any other fashion. I don't think you can do this any other way. You know, also it's too expensive to, to do this. Like if, if I make a Jersey, it's just, yeah, it could be cool, but it's, it's just not going to be the same. You know, it's like the headband is just enough, you know, Mm -hmm. it's small, it's simple, you know, it can, there's enough now out there that it can really, uh, individualize you and it can really mean something to you with the with the certain colors or the certain patterns or the certain symbols and um, and it, it's yours you know like have yeah. it for a lifetime you know 
and the way I see these things is like they're really meant to be worn. And Alex and I say that a lot, you know, like, sure, there's going to be collectors and people are going to, you know, cherish a few on the side. Like, like I said, I do also, but like really wear it all the time and, and see what see what it come see what can come from it. You know, like I wore my Iron Kids headband. I wore certain headbands for like two, three years, sometimes more, you know, like really maximize the use of it. And then you'll also know when it's dead. It's also a living product. So that's how I see it. You know, like you'll know when it's dead. It's like yeah. you have something and you use it so long, you know, you have to retire it at a certain point. But think about all those days you played. Think about all those events you, uh, you know, won or lost, uh, you know, all the camaraderie, all the travel, all that minutia in between. It's all kind of infused in this thing that you wrap around your head, you know, yeah. and, and like I still have my Iron Kids uh, sandana headband I still have it you know like and I'll never get rid of it it's it's a relic you know it's yeah. it's me of a lot of a lot of different versions of me throughout the different years and different teams and, and it's traveled all over the world you know so there's there's an immense amount of power in it um, that for me you know what I'm saying yeah. so that's what I want everybody to create with their own headbands you know like mm-hmm. get it and wear it all the time you know or maybe yeah. you have one that you wear for practice and maybe you have one you only wear for tournaments. I don't know. You know, like people are particular like that, too. You know, plus, I think they're pretty fashionable, you know, to be honest. I, I mean, they do. They're... They do look good. I'll give you that. They do look <laughs> they look pretty good. And I think that the scintilla is like such a beautiful piece, too. This is like the head wrap. It's like we never have seen anything like that, really, you know, mm-hmm. and with the different patterns and the different colors. And I mean, it's just it's just unique, you know, and it's like. I, I like I like the team aspect of paintball a lot, but I really love the individual aspect. Like I like Aftershock, cool. I like Aftershock, but man, how how much do I like Carl Markowski playing? You know, like I like that even more. You know, it's like I never was a football fan, but I like you know I like Tom Brady or I like you know somebody you know somebody who's just excellent. I don't mm-hmm. care what team they play on anymore. It's like I give them credit because they're just excellent at what they do. You know, that's the type of person I am. So. Like whether you're a pro or you're in the the lowest division or you never even play tournament, you know, you're individualizing yourself by wearing this this item, and yeah. you're, you're you're essentially making a mark and a name for yourself. And there's not many of them in a certain pattern. So like when you know, like I used to I used to flip my JT goggle strap upside down. Some people picked that up, and I did that because Johnny looked like me. Uh, everybody, we all look like each other, you know? Yeah. And, and that's uh, cool to a certain degree, but you want to have a little bit of individualization, especially when you're playing. And if anybody is watching and, and picks up those subtleties, you know, you can, like, I like to, like, I always credited myself from having such ultimate awareness on the field and the sport. I knew who everybody was from, like, a 10-mile distance. Oh, yeah. You know? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's him, yeah? Okay, yeah, that's him. And when they play... You know, you don't. I don't even care what you wear. I know what you look like. You know, I know what you're, you, how you run. I know how you carry your gun. I know everything about you. And so it's like you have a team, but then you have individuation on the team. And this is just an ability for you to have a little bit of, of, a flair. You know, of, of something that speaks for your personality and speaks for itself. And people can, you know. Some people will notice and some people won't, and that's okay, you know? Yep. But, like, the people who are observant and who are aware and who care, they'll notice, you know? And they'll say, oh, you wear you wear that color headband, and, you know, what's the meaning of it? And why does, you know, what, what does it mean to you? And, you know, what's the significance of it? And hopefully it has some significance to you. Mm-hmm.
I think most people just kind of go through life like kind of like just doing whatever. And it's like when start when things start to have meaning, you know, it changes everything. Yeah. You know? And as simple as a little piece of fabric that you wrap around your head, it can have a significant amount of meaning. And if you know, you know. And if you don't, that's cool, too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I know, I know exactly uh, what you're talking about, and and even to go back to reference, like I'll I'll admit, I'll be one of the first ones to admit when I was coming up in the game, and and you guys were on Dynasty, and particularly you, um, something about the style, whatever it was, it was very, uh, it was not only not only your playing style, but also your your physical style was very uh like attractive to me because it was like man it just just the flow of how you played but then also it helped that you look good doing it right you didn't look like a fucking you know puppet out there doing you know doing whatever with a bunch of uh you know logos all over the place or just or you didn't look like you looked organized if that makes sense like there was an organization it was an artistic organization and um i started flipping my fucking headbands upside down when you first started wearing those jt racing gloves that were black or that were yellow and red do you remember uh, those yeah i think so yeah the middle yeah. fingers were red and the outside fingers were yellow yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those were i was yeah. searching for those i was like dude and you only wore one so yeah. it's like this this whole thing and it's so crazy the things that you you do that you you just do them to do them and then you don't realize other people like notice some shit and it's like You do do notice the people, you know, and I think that's kind of also a way of you do things because you're like, and I thank you for picking it up and noticing that, man, like most people don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, and if anybody's listening to this and you want to be a pro player, I'm not saying you have to go and, you know, stylize yourself exactly how like Archie does it, but like notice the, the subtle nuances and in the game, in the sport, in life, subtle nuances are everything, right? Subtle nuances are everything and they can inspire you, you know? So all those things that you just said that you picked up, you know, they they in a weird way helped you because mm. you became, you know, more aware of it. And maybe you 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 did it yourself and maybe you inspired and influenced other people, you know, in a good way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird, too, because, like, I'm a big fan of, like, the behind the scenes stuff of, like, documentaries, behind the scenes, how things are made. And there was another thing that you you wore this silver ring mm-hmm. when you played. And it yeah. wasn't – I'm trying to make this not sound like I was fucking obsessed, like, you know, with Dynasty and you and everything, which I was at the time. I was a kid. I was – I was. you guys were it. But at the same time, I was asking myself the question of, like, well, what's well, – why does he wear it? What's the story behind it? What's the what's the meaning behind it, you know? It was, it was always – it was never just, oh, that's cool. I want to do it. It was like, why? Like, why did you decide to yeah. do that? Like, I wanted to know the reason and the story because it was – it was all intriguing. You, you, want, you want to know? Yeah, for sure. It's actually a kind of interesting story. <laughs> okay, so hopefully, uh, hopefully this is uh, this is um, accepted. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, the, they used to make uh, dye. used to make these titanium barrels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then of course you know when you started working at dye and getting involved with dye, like some of the guys were like flipping off the ends of the barrels and like wearing the making rings right oh really so we had these like we had all these titanium rings right and then i was a young kid and we went to uh i went to europe and um i had this titanium ring 
And I had a girlfriend at the time that was like a young love, and like we were really, really in love. You know, it was like that. The like, first oh one. God, you know. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. So I had this titanium ring, and um, and I and I met this other girl, and 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 she was like, like, so phenomenal. Like, I mean, still even to this day, I don't know if I've if I've seen another woman like this. And somehow she spoke German. We didn't really talk, but she took my my titanium ring off, and she. She put her ring on, which was the silver ring, right? She took my titanium ring, and we kind of were like, yeah, okay, whatever, cool. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to get that back. <laughs> and um, anyways, we, we kind of had this, like, love affair, but I, I also had a girlfriend. But, like, it yeah. wasn't, like, physical. It was just, like, immense amount of love. And this was even before, like, uh, handphones or internet. Yeah, so... I ended up leaving and I got brought there for paintball, right? So it was like this, it was like a young kind of, uh, it was like a, at this old field. And anyways, I come back to America and I got my girlfriend who I love, but then I really loved this other girl too in Germany. And we, I'd go to the payphone and call her every day, you know, like at a certain time because it was her, her <laughs> evening. And so I had her ring and she had my ring, right? My girlfriend never picked up at the time that I had a new ring, right? <laughs> too young. So anyways, this was just a, like a memento to this girl. And, and I never really, you know, we kind of lost touch. You know, we, it was like, you know, it's hard, mm -hmm. hard to communicate and everything like that. But there was this, this total love affair of this, of this um, mystical German girl that I had fallen in love with. And this I had muse. a ring. And, uh, and so that was kind of, that was it, you know, that was the, and I, and I, now I love rings and I wear a lot of rings. I actually am not wearing that many rings today, but. Yeah, I, I saw the one. It. it looks pretty cool. Yeah, this one's just a little Medusa. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So, like anyways, it. that's that's the story on the ring, and uh, and and I and I like jewelry because jewelry is this cool thing that yeah, it's actually kind of meant to get lost and to get traded and to get worn and it, yeah. It's like, yeah, again, it kind of carries like a little bit of your energy too, you know. So it's like, um, you know, you wear something for so long, like especially if you get like an antique ring that somebody else is wearing for 20, 30 years, you know, you wear it and you're like, wow, you know, like. I had an uncle who, who wore all this turquoise Indian jewelry, you know, and he just, I remember looking at it going, wow, like that stuff is just emanating something off of you, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was because somebody from some tribe at one point made it and wore it for 10, 20 years or whatever it was. And then he got it. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's really cool. You know, maybe yeah. we could do that with headbands one day, you know? Oh yeah, for dude, I remember Alex telling me the story of uh, this kid where his dog ate his headband, yeah, like chewed yeah. it up, and then Alex was like, was like, dude, I'm gonna wear this thing. This thing looks awesome. I was like, I would do the exact same thing. I was like, I, yeah. I love, I love things that are that are worn, antique, have some history to them, and just they have, they've been, it's been through it, whatever it is, it's been through it, and it's just nice because it has like just this its own history. Yeah, that's it, they call it uh, wabi sabi in uh, in Japan. Wabi sabi. Wabi sabi. Yeah. I've never yeah, heard so of it's that. like anything can be, anything can be wabi sabi. Like it's just like 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 a tea drinker or a tea master will drink out of the same cup for like you know 10, 20, 30 years, and it'll break or and it'll chip, and then he fixes it, and you know it's got his hand grooves in it, and like a little bit of a you know like marks from the oil of his hands and mm -hmm. you know like it's somewhat stained in the cup from all the tea that he's drank and it's like you know you pick it up and you're like whoa you know like this is like you know you can you can feel the energy of somebody 
has put into this thing for so long. And so a lot of a lot of the times, like you know, even recycled material now is like a big thing, right? You go mm-hmm. and you find a, you know, um, a table from somewhere that was at an old restaurant, you know, a hundred years ago, and then they make, you know, a bench out of it or something, right? Yeah. It's like you can feel the history out of of that of that bench that's you know that from that place and that time everybody sat on it you know mm-hmm. so it's interesting i kind of felt like that actually with guns um like i was uh, i don't know if you picked this up but i used to use the same gun all year always dude I, believe me i <laughs> i and the reason i knew that and the reason i thought it was all i thought it was a cool detail of when you knew somebody who just fucking played so much paintball that the anodizing on the body of their marker was wearing yeah. out and you had the the chrome wear out on the tip of your barrel because dude see you know what i'm talking about i know i know exactly what it is like, like i remember like a, see people like to change guns a lot because you know they got paid in guns and they could make money off guns and so they'd like use a gun and they'd be like oh yeah it's still brand new i just used it for this one tournament here you go yeah and then you got to kind of get reacclimated to like the new one and you know all that nonsense <laughs> like i would just use one gun all year and then at the end of the year i'd sell it yep. and people would be like how much is that gun i'm like oh you know it's this price and you know it's a really good gun i used it all year and yeah. look at it like ooh, like i don't know i remember i sent a gun to somebody and they they had paid for it and they're like bro this gun's really used and i'm like yeah <laughs> you know like like you you want that you know like trust me you know, yeah like, that's way cooler than a new shiny uh crunchy gun out of the box like you want this one that's like worn and and, and and soft and like you know anodizing missing and you know the yeah. grip frame falling off you know like that's the one you want <laughs> dude that shocker i i don't I, I don't remember i have one of the 07 shockers down here um the it's not the waffle one but it's a different one but the the shocker i think it was the 05 ones that you guys used um but that one you you just wore the shit out of it or even the sft that you shot before that that i think it said oliver in sticker see yeah. i'm a i'm a nerd dude i know no, no, but that was a uh, it was it was it was sticker but they um they would uh, sandblast they do, it they, yeah they sandblasted it or something like that i can't remember yeah i think that's what they did yeah so it was it was it was sandblasted but it was, that sandblasting was even wearing off <laughs> yeah dude i like <laughs> i like those the ones that went through the battles yeah. and i know exactly yeah. what you're but, talking about see, um, but you know this this is something that's actually really important man that that you're you're tapping in on it's like your perception and your awareness to detail in the game probably really helped you a lot. And if anybody is like, how do I become pro? How do we, man, become really perceptive of everything in your surroundings? You mm-hmm. know, like, like even right now as I'm talking to you, it's like I know where everybody is. I know where everything is. I know where I'm parked. I know, you know, like, like in my mind, I have a full topographical map of everything that's around me right now yeah. you know like that's that's massive awareness you know i even know what i'm feeling like i know how my breathing is i know how my arm gestures is i know when i touch my face you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. all these little tiny subtle nuances are gonna help you you know yeah. and even becoming aware of what everybody else does and how they wear and how they even to the details of how they tie their shoe there's something valuable about that yeah. uh, i can't explain it but you, you obviously know it and, you know, 
and you got to track it and you got to track each other and you got to do like i said before when you see that guy who's fat with the beer belly and you say okay i'm not going to do what that guy's going to do but then you see the guy who's crushing it and you go okay yeah i'm going to do exactly what he's doing or i'm going to do it my way but i'm going to do you know pretty pretty close to what he's doing you know yeah it's like i got it i got into the um kind of like personal development uh you know aspect of my life for a little bit here i'm still in it of course but in a, in a different way and i was watching a lot of people here who were um taking these super expensive courses on how to coach people right and at the time i didn't have the cash to do this you know there was like like a ten thousand dollar ticket or thirty thousand dollar ticket to mm. to get coached by a coach so that you can coach people right it's, it's like that's how it works but i was like so i was like okay so you're ten thousand dollars for your course but you're you're um teaching this guy so what i did is i just watched the guy that he was teaching and i just emulated everything that this guy who was paying the course to do i pretty much just copied everything he did and my and did it my way you know and there's certain tactics i didn't agree with so i didn't choose to do you know but it was like it was like see how i i learned through just observing one person doing something who was paying the ticket high dollar uh, ticket amount to get the get the wisdom and i was just observing this person and i was like Mm -hmm. oh okay well that's a that's a good little hack you know oh yeah for sure yeah, sorry, bro. Uh, somebody <laughs> called me, and I and I I hit reject, but it um, yeah. It's no, better good. the way that it's better the way you do this too. The not live thing. It just you can cut it up and you can make it clean and you know. Well, the, so many people rely on the live stuff. Where I, I like, I like it just being you and I. You yeah. know what I mean? And we can have our conversation, not worrying about what, not worrying about too much about like what we're possibly gonna say or 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 regulator speech or what you know whatever it is it's it's just it's very much an organic conversation of you know what i mean sure. and sure. um one thing i do want to cover uh if you still have a little bit of time um yeah yeah i got time uh was and i talked about this in a in a previous podcast with somebody and i was talking about my my practice uh mindset and how i go about like how i went about practice and I was always terrible at practice. I never did well at practice in meaning that all I was I was learning at practice. I was learning the field. I was very much like finding the gaps, finding the lanes, finding what I could and couldn't do physically on the field and and then taking that to the uh the tournament. And I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't really um, I didn't really stand out when I played for not that I didn't stand out, but it just it didn't work with X Factor because because they are a very much a practice oriented team where it's like you do well at practice, you play, and I didn't have that reputation with them yet to where it's like no, it's kind of like I feel out the field at practice and see what you know see how it works and get the feel for it, and then I go take it to the tournament and you know blossom if if I may. Uh, but I was wondering, I wanted to kind of tap into your practice mindset and how it was for you. And did you experiment at practice and did you kind of like travel light as far onto the field, as far as like weight on your shoulders or like kind of feeling the field out and feeling like really what you can do and not take it really that serious? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. And 
and you make a good point because I, I have the very pretty much the same philosophy um, as you do in practice. I think that it's, it's difficult to be honest with your um, kind of your style and your expertise in it because you you know you're not, again this isn't a bad thing but like when you go to the snake only during practice you know you only have a, a certain amount of things to do and to try right and right. it's like if you don't play good then they might go okay well you know let's move him aside and put this other guy in because he was kind of playing better right yeah so i think you're right i think you need to have the you need to have full openness to learning the field you know it's kind of like starting a new relationship with a girl you know it's like you're kind of getting to know each other you know it takes some time right like let's experiment oh okay you know you like this you don't like this you know it's like that's what you got to do on the field. You know, you got to go and, okay, if I do this, I can't do this. Or if right. I do this, I can do this and I can do this, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like you, you learn what can get done. And I have the same, um, I have the same mindset. Like, but I was, I was so fortunate because, you know, I mean, I think just the way that I played and my versatility, I was able to try so many things. And I don't think that a lot of players always get to do that, you know? Mm. So there was there was even a moment in, in, in our practices, and I think we really got this dialed as we, you know, it was like guys who played on the snake, you guys play on the Doritos, you know, for a little bit. And you guys who play on the Doritos, you go play on the snake. And they sometimes neither of them were good, and sometimes one of them was actually pretty good at the Doritos, you know, so it was kind of funny. But, you know, it's like you you really got to ch- you got to play everything, you know. And so yeah. I had that ability just naturally. So I think that also helped me and that allowed me to play just really good. You know, I think it's really difficult to only play one place the whole time. Yeah. Like, I don't know how people do that, to be honest. I couldn't do that, you know. So I tip my to the guys who do that. And you need them because they are a very valuable role to the game. And you need them. But I can't do it. I couldn't do it. You know, like I need to play everywhere. Plus, because I like playing everywhere. Plus, I'm good at playing everywhere. So but I also had that ability to try to do that. Like, I don't know if players like. You know, yourself got to do that always. Or maybe, you know, guys like Kyle who always play the snake, like do they have the ability to go everywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's also what kind of makes you the better players once you get that ability, you know? But I think you have to go through the motion of being the snake guy only, you know? And I did yeah. that. So it's kind of like, again, it's like a career, right? It's like, you know, you start at the, at the, at the post office and you're, you know, you're doing the kind of tedious work, like going to the snake. And then soon you... You know, maybe you get upgraded and now you can go to the Dorito side, which is like packaging and shipping. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're you're in the middle of the field and you're like, you know, kind of the manager. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can play everywhere and you're like the CFO or the CEO, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> to kind of put it into like an interesting. I know exactly kind of what you're talking about, too, because, you know, eventually I got to that state where I could really um, I, I built the confidence enough in in bruno's mind or whoever coaches mind that i that they can literally tell me just hey carl we want you to go here off the break wherever it may be but then it was really just make it happen after that you know because because i really how i really looked at the field too was like i could see something where i would might i might go dorito side or snake side but i might end up on the dorito side i might end up on the in the middle yeah <laughs> You know, I mean, we we played enough uh, against each other where 
we probably we figured that out where we did circles around each other and just um but but that's that's where i had fun with it and i felt like i had the most uh the most production was in being able to feel it out and be able to make the mistakes but in those mistakes in practice the intention was there and bruno was or whoever was able to see that and i was be able to communicate that and then I was able to make that move actually happen timing-wise at the tournament. I mean, I think that, you know, it, it depends on the chemistry of the team and the faith of the coach and the player because, you know, like a guy like Bruno, you know, he's he's the type of guy who can allow that, you know. And yeah. there's maybe on X Factor, you know, they, they don't have that mentality and that fluidity of mind to allow that, you know. And there's, you know, also... You know, it's like, man, I really do, like I swear, like if you would have played on Heat or Dynasty or Impact and done what you did with that surrounding crew of people around you, you probably would have had like exponential growth and success. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you really needed those. You never really, I never felt like you really got that. And it's like, you got to have the coach that believes in you and you got to have the team around you who believes in you, you know, because even to a certain degree, you know, when I was getting on Dynasty, it was like, I always fought against Ryan you know, he just didn't trust me and he didn't trust and believe in the way that I wanted to play, you know, and it was really organized and, you know, it was lined up. And It's like the engineer versus the artist. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, again, it's like I like those terms. They're all they're all sincere, but they're like, it's just fucking throw it all out the window and just and you know, you're good and you trust each other. And what's going to happen is what's going to happen. Like, I don't know right. what's going to happen. I could, you, like you said, you could be in the snake and come all the way around the Dorito side. You don't know what's going to happen, but you need everybody around you that believes in you. Yeah. And that's the that's the formation that I really felt was really powerful when I played on the Ironman. Was it was like I was the artist, and I had full creative expression, and I had a monsters around me who would back me up. Yeah. You know, it was like it was like I was the. It's like I was like the most gangster artist ever, and I could paint anything and. If somebody was like, "Hey, that was shit painting," all my thugs would beat them up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> did you have that? Did you have that confidence going into the first, like when, let's say, when, um, like Saransky and Adamson and uh, Billy Wing, you know, the the first, not not anything against those guys, but the you, yeah. you the first team when you first got on the team, yeah. did you no, have that confidence right away of like, I I'm going to be able to turn this into some uh, something successful. No, for sure not, because the, those guys were they were great players in their own and legends legends of a time, but they were also becoming outdated quickly, mm. you know. And and if you want to really, if if I wanted to do this and and the way that I knew it needed to be done, and it was it was pretty, it was gonna be it was gonna be hard for some people, right? Because yeah. they weren't going to adapt. But the cool thing is that. The, the way that it unfolded was really excellent, actually, because we had um, such, and this is like what I think, again, I'm not in paintball, so I don't really fully know, but um, there was such a, a flourishing spryness to that team that like people were going to take your spot if you weren't good, mm. right? Like, yeah. I mean, Dynasty is still the same guys for the most part, and Nobody's taking their spots. Every year, there should be three to five kids who are trying out, who are ready to take your spot, even the best player in the world. 
even Ryan Greenspan, you can take his spot. Like your kid out there, you can take his spot. But you got to believe that, and you got to go and try out, and you got to go try to make that happen. And that's what happened that year of the Ironman, second year. There was such an abundance of young youth and kids who were really good and who were ready to take spots, and that's exactly what happened. Like Billy Saransky, we didn't cut Billy; he retired because yeah. he knew he, he was good. Even even he played pretty good at practice uh, those times, but the kids were playing excellent you know even todd adamson todd adamson came out one weekend he played like so amazing and i was like wow you know you know like unbelievable kind of uh un unorthodox style of play he's playing it (laughs) but the thing is is that the other kids were playing better Mm -hmm. you know so they just literally were like okay see you later thanks that was great thanks for all that and and those guys were kind of like okay guys well you know good job you know, like yeah. you, you outplayed us. Nobody's doing that dynasty. You know, nobody's like showing up and pushing Alex out of the way, which is to me, to be honest, is like pretty pathetic. You yeah. know, like yeah. you should be pushing. These guys should have retired two years after I retired, you know, and now they just won again, which is it's not about winning. It's about growth and evolution. So as a kid and you want to play pro, take my spot, you know, right. and that's what I learned from Shane at a young age, because that's what he told me, because in a, in a way, I had to do that on Ironman. I had yeah. to come in and take spots. And actually, Micah and, and Maddie and Rich, they kind of were like already there taking the spots from the Ironman. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you have to realize that this isn't, this isn't, this is not, it's not in some, it's not in, in stone who the team is. The, the team yeah. is brand new every year. And if you're a kid and you want to take a spot, you have to come in and make it your name for it. So kind of to answer your question, I had that on the Ironman, but I had to create that. And it was difficult in the beginning because I had to wait a year for it to kind of unfold until I could gather the people around me to create that. And it was a combination of youth and it was a combination of, 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 uh, of kind of a little bit older maturity, you know, and I was kind of the, I was the kind of the bridge. You know, it was yeah. like I had, I had Mouse, I had Marcelo, I had Crunchy, I had Ronnie, you know, I had, I think, even Goat at one time. And then it was like me and Nico. But I kind of like look at Nico as a little bit more of an elder because he's a little bit more mature or was. And then there was Paxton, uh, Nikki and uh, Mr. You and Billy Wing, you know. That's right. And Billy Wing was always my thorn in my side because he's he's a pessimistic, negative <laughs> guy. And... In a way, in a weird, in the weirdest way, something happens when you get onto the field where like all that gets, all of that gets dissolved. Mm -hmm. You know, even it happened with Ryan and I, you know, like off the field, I think Ryan's becoming more optimistic, but you know, he, he was always somewhat kind of the, the no man and I was the yes man and Billy Wing was definitely the no man and I was definitely the yes man and you know, Billy Wing would do things on the field that like nobody else could do or imagine. Like I, I would never even think of doing them. Personally, I think they're kind of stupid, but he he would do them, yeah. and he would do them excellent, and and, and, and it would and work. Execute them, and it would work. So who am I to say that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's right. not my stuff, right? So and 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 vice versa. I would do things that he would probably say was stupid. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But they worked. And then when you come onto the field. 
you kind of just let go of all the nonsense and you just play really good together because you're excellent players. Because if it works, it works. And you're trying to achieve a certain uh, outcome, which is a win. That's what happened with Ryan and I. You know, it was was just always the off-field thing that was difficult, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, to a certain degree, you know, like I just don't find it pleasant to be around Billy Wing uh, at those times, you know? But on the field, we, we, we win World Cups together. You know, and then it would be always an interesting thing to have, ba- uh, you know, Shane kind of trying to balance it or Rusty trying to balance me and, and Ryan. And I guess I guess that's also a, a sign of a good coach is somebody who can kind of balance the different personalities and um, and still achieve a, a, a successful outcome. You know, yeah. And I think a successful team needs those the the no's and the yeses, you know, to, to be able to. Uh, well, because if you think about it, you know, we, we talk about the the different aspects of the team of of players that need to be able to play everywhere and this and that but if you have yeah. players that play a spot well and um it, it's like you said it's like it doesn't matter if you agree on something or you disagree as long as you go out there and and it works um yeah. and I, yeah. I always wondered that too because you want like how how teams even compete and do well when everybody do, everybody just isn't on the same page. Like the only page that everybody's on is we're all here to fucking win as a team, but everybody might have a different way of what, win, you know, how that is achieved. Yeah. Well, I think that also the, the, there's a lot of, again, huddle, subtle, hidden nuances in the dynamics of the team. And like Ryan having his opinion or me having my opinion if it, it would be just too easy if we agreed, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like the meetings would be over in 20 minutes and we'd be, we'd be looking at, you know, you porn or whatever it is, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you, you guys did that fight. as a team. Oh, I, I, we thought we were the only ones. All right. Yeah. So the thing is, is, is you got to have that kind of like oil and water dynamic in the meeting because it creates a lot of thinking. Perspective. It creates, it gives every, and some people get affected by it. And, you know, those are certain people. And certain people don't need that. I get it. But, like, as a whole, if you look at it from a a holistic point of view, and if you look at the teams where that does occur, not in a toxic way, but in a a very um, constructive way, Mm -hmm. you can actually, you can actually see that actually it's it's necessary. So, if you look at Dynasty, if you look at the Ironman at that time, you know, I'm probably sure there's there's probably other characters on, on other teams that I'm not aware of, you know, maybe Impact or Heat has that. But if everybody just agreed all the time it was subservient to the coach's desires or to the uh, to the star player's desires, then, you know, it's, it's kind of like a little bit of a, I don't know what you would call that, like a kind of a, I don't know what you would call that. Like I know a, what you mean, uh, though, but it's like everybody's, everybody's sailing in the same direction and with with no regard of where the direction actually is. Everybody's just agreeing that this is north. But until somebody actually goes, hey, man, we're going fucking northwest. Yeah. Totally. You know, until somebody steps up and says that, everybody has that same perspective. You know, yeah. the mindset might be the same, but until somebody steps up and, and says, you know, hey, maybe we should look at this a little bit different and yeah. it's not recognized collectively, yeah. you know, it, it's always good to have that that kind of perspective. Toe-to-toe, you need that, and that's kind of the same thing as being in a relationship. You know, it's like with with your girlfriend, it's like, you know, she sees it from another way. And, mm-hmm. 
I don't know if her way's wrong. Her way's actually pretty right. And she explained it to me in a very soft and gentle way that I understand her position now. And yeah. I'm grateful. Although I thought it was the other way and I believed it, that that should have been it. And <laughs> that was my way. You, know, yeah. so you kind of need each other to kind of melt each other and, and soften each other. And, and again, you're, you're there fighting for a common goal. Um, it would just be too easy if everybody agreed always yeah. and you moved on, you know, like you need a little bit of clash. But with that being said, if you did get everybody onto the same page somehow, and I think that would be like what would be considered a super team, then I think uh, I think it could work because you're just riding on a super high, which is probably kind of what maybe Dynasty is doing now a little bit. I don't know, you know, I don't yeah. know what the dynamic is fully, but I think they're coasting in on a wave that's like kind of similar to that, you know, where mm -hmm. everybody's just on full on board with each other and they're all kind of, you know, like, they're like, yeah, fuck it. They got nothing to lose now, you know? They got, like, yeah. nothing to prove, nothing to lose. You know, they had their little dip when I left, and now they're, they've are they healed it, and now they're they're back on top. And now they've got to protect the throne a little bit, which is <clears throat> which is um, actually pretty difficult to do. Yeah. It, what's the saying? It's it's the uh, once you get to the top is the toughest because you have to, to, to remain there. Is, I know that's right, not yeah. the saying. That's ter I, I butchered that. But you know what I'm talking about. Like to actually sustain being top dog is almost tougher yeah. than the journey up to it. Totally. And it's, it's also not as gratifying, right? Because you're defending and, um, and you've got to defend, you know, with all your might. And then when you do win, it's like, oh, well, they were supposed to win. So it's not even that, it's not even that impressive, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like an interesting one. And, and I defended for a long time and I had to fight my way back up to it to achieve it. And it's like I kind of did it. And to be honest, it's not as it's not as exciting. You know, it's more fun to, to fight for it and to get there. Yeah. Um, trying to protect your throne is is a um, I think every king in history had a difficulty with that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what has been your most satisfying win? If you, you know, if you can recall. There's so, many so many. Wins. There's so many <laughs> wins that were just like, they're all so satisfying, you know? I think that the most satisfying is just when the team is so, like, fluid. Like, I'm, I can't remember what tournament it is, so I, I don't really, I can't I can't pinpoint it. But I remember we, we didn't lose a game, you know? And that, that was kind of always rare. Uh, I don't know that many teams have done that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember there was one tournament where we just didn't lose a game. You know, in, in 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 good competition, and we had to play all the best teams. It was yeah. and it was like an X ball match. So I can't remember what what event that was. Um, probably Ryan has it written down or something like that. I could probably ask him. <laughs> but um, but I I think like those those ones where everybody's just clicking. You know, where everybody's just feeling it. And again, you're just riding that wave of of, of each other. The momentum, the practice coming in. You know, the the positioning you are in the league. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of rare to that, to be honest, yeah. um, where it's just everything works, you know, like, yeah. and in, in a way it's also, it's also, uh, like a kind of a, another catch way too, because, you know, you want a little bit of rub, you want a little bit of resistance, you want a little bit of fight. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's definitely some very satisfying tournaments where like, you know, we're not going to make the semifinals and, you know, we're having a bad year and all of a sudden we just win the tournament, you know, so it's really hard to say, man. There's there's so many, and they all have different flavors. It's kind of like, you know, again, it's kind of like asking, you know, who's the who's the best lover you ever had? You know, everybody yeah. has a little bit of something, but you know, mm -hmm. 
would you consider yourself a a good cheater or a decent cheater? Um, because I feel like, like I've just, and I'm not saying this in a, in a, like a derogatory way towards you, like, or anything like that, because what I'm getting to is like, everybody is on this, this high horse of like paintball is this game of honesty and this and that. And it's like, it's like bullshit. It's like when the shit hits the fan and the, and it gets nitty gritty, like people get dirty. And I, I just, I just didn't know if how you, what you felt or how you felt about cheating or if it was like it was one of these things where it like it has its place in time um or or kind of what your take on it is no i think this is great and i think i think you're the first person to ever really kind of chart these territories because you're right it's kind of like a taboo right but at the same time everybody does it so it's like you know why say you're uh christian or muslim or whatever it is and on the front you know you go to church but on the back you're you know doing all all these horrendous things you know (laughs) is that really legitimate you know i feel like cheating in the game of paintball is actually a part of the game so i actually embrace it and and i embrace when somebody cheats me you know Mm -hmm. um personally i think i'm an excellent cheater for a couple reasons one is i never got caught Okay, and I had a lot of eyes on me. Yeah. Now yeah. there's different degrees of cheating, right? It's kind of like you're driving your car and you're speeding. You know, am I going 150 miles an hour? Or am I going 100? And I kind of, or am I just going like 10, 10 miles over the speed limit and I get clipped? You know, I get busted. So it's like there's, there's, there's cheating is a, a vast, you know, dimension. Personally, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cheater, but I, I, I like to do it gracefully. You know, like you take a couple steps, you know, you shoot yeah. a couple more. Balls, You're an honest you know? cheater. Like, yeah. Like if I'm an honest cheater, exactly. <laughs> I like that. If, if I get shot and like, no, it's like, there's just no chance of getting busted. Oh yeah. Then it's gone. You know what I'm saying? But like, if there's like an inkling, if like I look over and there's one person watching me, I'm not going to cheat. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I, you know, it's like, so but you could feel that part of the game. I think, but I think that that's what I'm saying is the element that's really interesting in the game. Like I've had, I've had games like finals games where I've got bounced in the chest, you know, like going to my bunker, oh, like yeah. back center bunker, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, whoa, you know, like, okay, that, and then I win the game and I run through and I bunker a few guys, you know, mm-hmm. and, win, and take the flag. Whereas like, I should have been gone, you know, I, it hit me, <laughs> yeah. I got hit, you know, but it didn't break. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's there's elements of the game that are like I think they're it's a really thin gray area that is absolutely okay, you know, and I think that's part of the game, and that's that's getting bounced, and that's getting rid of hits, and that's playing on to a certain degree, or yeah. that's doing something you know that's definitely you know somewhat shady, like you know talking to your player or you know telling them something or doing something you know to a certain degree that's going to give them assistance, right, mm-hmm. or they give you assistance. It's like there's like a really thin layer that is that's actually it's allowed. It's great, you know, but once you cross that, you know, like I hate these guys who just will cheat you blatantly, you know, and you know it. It's like, come on, man, you know, like have a little bit of of honor in this, you know, like, yeah, I'm actually calling you out on the hit in the game in the exact location of where it was. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. There's a little bit of ethics in that. So. So, like, I mean, I don't think anybody on Dynasty is really 
a big cheater to, to, to that degree. Uh, maybe Alex, you know, certain days. But for the most part, everybody's pretty legitimate, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like there's also some valiance in that, you know, like also not being a dirty, dirty team, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like I want you to be dirty, but I don't want you to be dirty. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like I want you to kind of push that envelope, but don't go too far, you know? I had a lot of eyes on me, so I couldn't really do a lot. And I got and I got really I got really picked on, you know, and I felt really you know, I really felt I felt pretty much abused, you know, to a certain degree by the refs, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and they had to make a statement with me and I get it, you know, but there was like a lot of things that I did that shouldn't have been penalties, you know, like and I'm saying that genuinely and honestly. And there were some things that I did deserve that I should have got penalties on. And I like paying those, you know, it's like it's like, man. If I'm going 150 and you get me on this on the speeding ticket, like man, no problem. Here's my here's my license. I'm coming to court. You can have my money. I'm busted. Yeah. You know? But like, if I'm going like you know 90 and an 80 or like sorry 80 and a 75, it's like, you know, come on, you know, cut me like a a little bit of slack. But I never got that slack cut, you know. Right. So I never felt like I never felt I felt persecuted, like wrongfully persecuted, and it affected me because I realized. No matter how hard I practice, no matter how good I am, no matter how good I make the team, there's always this inevitable circumstance, which is the refs. And because of who I am and because of what I do on the field, and they can affect it. And I fucking hated it because honestly, and I'm, I'm saying this with full honesty, like I really feel a large a large percentage of my of my time spent in the penalty box was unjust. And I'm yeah. not saying that because I'm a crybaby. Like, I want to pay my fines. I want to pay my dues, you know? But if, I, if I'm running to the corner and I get shot in the leg and I take three extra steps, you know, it's like, why is that a five-minute penalty? Mm-hmm. You know, just because it's who I am? Like, you know, I got shot, I slowed down, and I'm done. I didn't run to the corner. I didn't, you know, do all these, you know, people really push the envelope sometimes yeah and they should they should they should serve their fees they should serve their their time you know they should get their penalties and then referees have to look and observe at players and they have to say what's this person's character you know Mm -hmm. is this person's character a little bit conniving and a little bit devious and a little bit you know and i feel like i just got that um i got that bullseye on me no matter what you know even if they didn't know my character you know and I didn't like that, you know. It wasn't fair, to be honest. You know, it was, it was yeah. slightly, it was slightly, you know, it was my experience of discrimination, <clears throat> and um, whatever. I, I went through it, but it, I tell you, it affected me because I, I never, I, I just always felt like there was something over me that could take away from me at any moment, and that happened many times where it was really just bad calls, you know, like tournaments switched, you know, like. We're about to win the tournament. Now they win the tournament. And it's like, man, I mean, I guess that's kind of the game. And, and I have to accept it. But at the same time, like, you know, I probably would have had another 10 wins under my belt if I if I. And again, what does that mean? What does that matter? But um, the point is, is like, I think that there is a lot of. I think that it, it should be an honorable game, but it's just really not, you know. So right. unless we change the game to a certain format where it can get to that. I think that would be really respectful, and I think that would be really cool, to be honest, you know. But I think in the in the way that we play it now, I think that there's, it's a big part of the game, 
So I would say that I'm an honorable cheater and I'm pretty excellent at it. Um, actually cheating. Now, do I get in trouble a lot for the things that I did that, you know, the little bit of excess that I pushed? Yeah, I get a lot of, I get, I get more in trouble for that than I do for actually cheating, you know? So it's like, I guess it's a little bit of of karma in a sense. (laughs) Well, I think great players push that line, right? They ride the gray area. And I think that's, it's necessary. I think that's what makes great players. Um, But it's really interesting to hear your perspective on it because I can understand how, well, I can't understand how to be in your position, but being just a top echelon player, it's cool to hear the kind of pressure that was kind of put on your shoulders by not the game itself, but something external. But then be- because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but because what happens, you have to then explain to your team why or what you almost have to defend yourself in a way. Because you're the one getting the penalty, regardless of whether it was justified, you still got a penalty in whatever situation it was. And now you're the ref isn't going to go explain to your team and and have to face your team because you know it was it was three to three and fucking two yeah. minutes left and you get a five minute. You know what I mean? You're the one that has to do that. And I, I so the, the lucky thing that I had like was was that you know we we all kind of came up together, so we all really know we know how each other plays, you know, like to be honest, like Ryan's a really legitimately clean player. Like Ryan doesn't really cheat. So I can much, see you know? that. Like yeah. I haven't seen him in my lifetime, you know, like Alex is pretty dirty, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, but that's also his style, you know? Yeah. And then Yosh kind of flounders in between and kind of the unseen. You don't really know what he does, but he could, Chameleon. Be, he could be way, he could be way worse than Alex or he could be way cleaner than Ryan. I don't know. <laughs> right. But I'm, they, they know how I play, and they know that I push the boundaries, but right. they, they also know that I'm not really a dirty player. So it's like I'd come back in the pit, and they'd be like, man, they'd be disappointed because it's, it's the reality, but they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't hark on me for what I did, you know? Right. Because they, they trusted me, and, they, and they, they knew who I was in, as a player. And, you know, and that, actually, that actually was probably the saving point of it all was like, you know, like Alex would laugh. You know, Alex, I'd come in, and he'd be like, oh, you know, he's like, he just knew that it was going to happen because it was me, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and I think some like Rusty and those guys, it took a little bit of time to kind of adjust to that, but they just had to, you know? Um, but again, you know, everybody gets kind of whack penalties sometimes. And, and that's, again, it's part of the game, you know? So I'm not saying that I'm the only one, but I'm saying that I definitely had a, I had a, a, a looming dark cloud over me that realized that if I, did anything i would be i'm under a microscope Mm -hmm. and um and that was that was also something that kind of made me play good sometimes you know and um but it was also it was also some things that got super you know unjustfully i paid the price for and um and events were taken from me you know luckily like the seven man thing kind of died because that was like that was really bad sometimes and and actually in seven man i didn't really get very many penalties but like like a whole game could be destroyed, you know, and a, a whole tournament could be destroyed in just like one bad call, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and you know, it's like, okay, I mean, I go to practice one weekend, two weekends, three weekends, you know, that's six days, all the travel, all the time in between. And then I go to the tournament and I'm in there for five days. And then all of a sudden, like, just, just gets yoinked from you, you know, like it's yeah. just like, 
whoa, it's like, you know, it's like God just, just pulled the plug on you and you're dead all of a sudden. And you're like, holy shit, you know, like what happened? You know, like do these referees not know that how much time and energy that we put into this for it just to be stripped like that? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, you know, it's part of the game and I think it's, it happens to everybody. So I'm not, I'm not saying that it doesn't, but it would be kind of good to get to that point where that that element would be eliminated from the game, because yeah. I think then people would play a really it would be really nice, you know. Like I, if we could all agree as gentlemen to never cheat again, which I think you could do. But there's 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 gray lines. It's like oh well, you got shot and you and you stepped five more steps. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like is that cheating? You know, did you just break the bond? So I think. I think in the future there's something to aim for. Until then, it's it's part of the game. It's just how tastefully do you want to do it, you know? And yeah. I guess it depends on who you are. Uh, you know, will the referees, you know, have a have a more eagle eye on you than not? You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Oliver, man, I I truly appreciate it, and I I thank you so much for your time. I gotta. I gotta get to it. I gotta get up early, but I do want to. I do. I want to stick around. I just want to show you a few things uh, after this. Cool. After we get off, I will be looking out for the Oliver Lang Golden Toast series. Um, <laughs> Hermes's headband. <laughs> I'll be. I'll be looking out. Be like, oh yeah, we talked about that one. Um, but I, you know, I can't. And I, I'm, you know, throughout the years, uh, I'm sure you've you've had a lot of people just come up to you, congratulate you, uh, tell you so much about how you've affected them and what kind of a player you are. And I can't imagine the weight of the crown that you wear. Um, but I want to, I want to tell you from a personal level, and I probably told you this the last podcast, uh, you have had a tremendous effect on, uh, not only my playing career, but my personal life, uh, just becoming a person, um, and, and just interacting with you and what you do in your mindset and I know that it's not just me. I know it's a lot of people, but I'm fortunate enough to be able to tell you this in person. I, I'm truly grateful for everything that you've done uh, for, for the sport of paintball, which I was so grateful to be a part of. And I think that your success and the success of the team that you were on um, and the kind of just... Uh, I don't know, man. It, 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 it's it's hard to explain because you not a lot of people get to talk to their the the people they looked up to when they were doing something or 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 to whatever sport you're in or whatever it is one of the great the greatest ever to play the game. And I, I don't know exactly how to say it, but I just in the kindest way possible uh, thank you very much. Uh, and I, I I really very much appreciate everything that you've uh, you've done. Well, it was a great joy, man. I, I enjoyed every moment of it, and uh, I'm enjoying every moment, even just talking to you and, and watching you evolve as a as a man, as a as a father, as a husband. And you know, it's like I said, this is just kind of the beginning of this, and, and I'm excited to see how it evolves even more. You know, and so you always have my support, and um, I always look to you for, for support as well. And you know, I just uh, appreciate everything you've done and you're doing for the game, and doing these interviews and being able to to get this information out to people and to have people even get to know me a little bit more and, and for you to get to know me more it's really important so I, I really appreciate that and anybody who's um, who's listening and 
you know, inspired by this conversation, inspired by you and you know, the choices that you make and take it in your life. And, you know, I, I hope everybody can have all the success that I've had and more and, and do everything to make a great, well-rounded life. So that's my, that's my ultimate goal for everybody. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, man. And, uh, and yeah, I'll talk to you in a, few, in a, in a couple seconds. Okay, cool, <laughs> All right, later. Oliver, Oliver, Oliver. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. And I know it's so valuable. Thank you for just you know notching out a few hours to uh, to chat with me and and just you know yak it up. And I, it was great hearing your process and great hearing your uh, your take on everything. And I'm glad that we were able to to really kind of you know, open up and, uh, spit some truth. That's awesome. Thank you, brother. And thank you to, uh, our sponsors, Melovio, M-E-L-L-O-V-E-O.com. Uh, if you're looking to get some CBD, don't go to the corner store. Go to the ones who make everything directly. That's Melovio. And you can find anything from topicals to, uh, edibles to flour to all kinds of stuff. Check them out melavio.com and if you want 15% off your entire order make sure you type in the code capital T-P-O-P and you'll get it thank you Melavio and also to Charm City Paintball the head game guru himself Mike is killing it and make sure you check all of his inventory out on Instagram and Facebook and uh, like I said I have a few of the pack bands left might not be after this uh this gets out for for very long but um he does the most quality work that i've seen in headbands in a very very long time and it means a lot to him it's all handmade uh by mike himself in his house and made in the usa down in florida so he got a little sunshine on those uh, on those headbands before they take off so thank you mike appreciate it brother and thank you to everybody out there who is listening it is always a pleasure to come down and uh, I say come down because I do them in my basement, but, <laughs> but uh, it's it's always a pleasure to come down here and do these and, and put them out there for people to listen to and um, and just hear me kind of rant about, uh, you know, everything about life, about, uh, you know, paintball and everything in between. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening and gals appreciate it so much. And uh, we'll see you guys again here soon. Oh, yeah. Don't forget. Don't text and drive. Don't do that. Don't do that shit. Pay attention to the road. So many things to watch on the road. Just pay attention. Listen to podcasts like this one. And we'll see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace out.